on episode 48 of Pixel Guide In. It's a very retro Christmas. Six good Christmas games. Would you buy a Dreamcast 2? More minis are on the horizon. Along with some new 8-bit accessories. Eric talks retro Christmas memories. And Tim talks magazines. The guys enjoy a delicious beer. And one that's not so much. It is December, Eric, and you know what that means. It's Christmas time in the city. <laughs> it's Christmas time in the city, so we want to say happy holidays to all of our listeners out there. Happy birthday to baby Jesus from me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's the reason for the season. The reason for the season. Um, so this is our Christmas episode, uh, Eric, and then our next episode this month will take place on the 30th, which means that'll be our New Year's and uh, end of the show wrap-up. End of the year wrap-up show. That's right. Are you hoping for anything good for Christmas, friend? I am. I am asking for that uh, that eight bit dough big arcade controller. Oh, that's a good call. I want to try to make that like my main Mister controller, so that I can just hook that up and it like it's kind of a permanent controller on there because I'm always swapping things in and out. Um, that's cool. And I like that. I like that you can kind of put in premium parts to it. So yeah, yeah that, I'm looking forward to it. That new one's pretty pretty slick. I I the one gaming thing I asked for because our, our hobby is so niched. We talked about this on our Discord server a little bit. Our hobby is so niche that when we ask for things for Christmas, most people would have no idea what we're talking about or where to get it. I'm right. like, no, no, no. There's this guy from the Ukraine who makes these devices, and you have <laughs> like you can get them from him directly, but you have to email him, and it's kind of weird. But you can also never mind. You know what? I'll just ask for something from Target. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I've sent like links and weird things to my wife, and and she she has to navigate like weird Ukrainian <laughs> screens and stuff. And I, I just I'm not into that. So yeah, you're right. I, I kind of I try to simplify simplify my stuff. Eric, I was on the dark web last night trying to buy your Christmas present. Uh, exactly. I got scared and I had to turn back. I apologize. Um, yeah, the one th- so the one thing I am looking for uh, that is more mainstream, although it's still not on you know your Amazon or your Target, but mm-hmm. it is that uh, I am waiting for that, that Raspberry Pi four hundred, that all in one yes. keyboard that you and uh, Tim showed off last episode. I really want that bad boy. And you know, it turns out I, I use that every single day. Like when I come home from like work and I have to work some more, instead of booting up my laptop, I just jump on that and it it does everything. And then when I get tired of work, I run Pico 8 and run a bunch of Pico 8 games on it, and it runs beautifully. I love it. Very cool. Well, we want to remind all of our listeners real quick, if you uh, want to go ahead and take a look in the show notes, we do have timestamps so you can hop around to the segments you want or uh, skip parts you don't want. Although I couldn't imagine what you'd skip. I mean, this show is gold all the way through. All the way. Um, we do have a uh, six good games, Christmas-themed games, of course. It's very on-topic, thanks to Tim. Our buddy who is not going to join us this show, but next show. Yeah. Um, although we are going to hear from Tim, because he did do a Tea Time for Tim segment on uh, 1986 Christmas, it is titled. Yeah, that's going to be very interesting. 
And Eric, we get to hear your take a little bit later, too. What's that about? I did three gr- best Christmas memories. Hmm. Going a little uh, Rob Flack O'Hara with the uh, with the memory, down memory lane kind of uh, way of doing yeah, things, I guess. I thought about stealing his sound effect, but I, I didn't, <laughs> didn't know if that would go over. Memory. Memory. Which is from uh, Ren and Stimpy. All right. Well, yeah, exactly. we like to start every show right off the bat with a, with a couple of quick questions. Quick questions! All right, Eric, I think you have the first question this time. Yeah, let's, let's, let me, let me uh, see if I can phrase this right to, so you'll understand, because <laughs> I had a hard time phrasing it. Okay, for years, there have been rumors of a Sega Dreamcast 2. What would Sega have to do to get you to buy one within six months of launch? And that's because I know you're not usually an early adopter of, of, of consoles. You, you tend to wait until the price drops on them. But what would it take to, to not, not day one, but within six months of, the, of a new Sega Dreamcast 2? Well, first of all, I don't believe this rumor at all. No, me either. Sega right now is just like fired 650 people and they left their, their Skyrise in, uh, was it Akihabara? I'm going to say that yeah. wrong. Akihabara? I don't know how to say it. And they closed Tokyo. down Arcade or something, didn't they? Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, they're, they're skimming way back. So I know that's not going to happen, but, um, I mean, if this thing came out at, to try to compete with the big boys at like a $400, you know, Me Too kind of thing, I wouldn't buy mm-hmm. one, period, most likely, because I know Xbox and PlayStation are going to be around. I would have no idea with this one. But yeah. if they did something unique and made it Sega, uh, maybe had some exclusives somehow, uh, maybe a, a nod to the past, maybe did something more like Nintendo and the Switch, where you, it's a different experience than the big systems, yeah. um, I would be more, more into that. And uh, or if they came out with something that was more based off nostalgia or limited time, you know, for like 199 or less, I'd probably buy yeah, less it. Less expensive, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably buy it knowing that I'm going to pay for it for what it is and expect what's available now, and just not have my hopes up for anything down the future. What, what games would you want to see on there if they were revisiting old titles or, or coming out with new versions of 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 um you know, like a franchise, like a Power Stone. Would you want to see a new Power Stone or, or a new Crazy Taxi or something like that? I think, uh, well, Power Stone is a, is a great solution, actually. I think I really like that one. They have to do something with Panzer Dragoon, even though I know they've come out with more of those. Um, I'd love to see, yeah, Dreamcast stuff, uh, uh, some more Saturn stuff revisited. But I'd like to see new versions. I don't want to see Sega Ages Dreamcast, you know, like where they re-release old stuff. Or like remasters, yeah, I agree with you one hundred percent. What about you? What would what would push your buttons? That pretty much does it. Because I was thinking the other day, like if they did, because with the big hype of how popular uh, Smash is on the Switch, like if they could come out with a new Power Stone that was all modern and up to date, and you know what I mean, and they they did the kind of the same thing where they kept releasing little little characters here and there from Sega's line of, of games. Um, I think that would be pretty neat. Um, but uh, yeah, all the good racers that are on there, like Virtua Racer and, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, they remastered old things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, ma- making the rally game, like Sega Rally, but but maybe a new version, you know. they. I think they would have to do something like that if it came out. Like, they had to tap into their own library of, of loved games I think they could do. I think they could. 
but you're right. I don't think it would compete with the $400 no. consoles. I'd hate to say, but I would love it if there was a reality there. Now, the only other thing I thought of was what if, um, cause there were rumors for a little while that, that like Microsoft was going to buy Sega, but well, then yeah. I don't think they'd compete with their own Xbox on that. No, they'd, they'd probably, I don't think they'd release a console. They'd buy it for the rights of the games or shutting competitors down and that kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, Unless the, they came out with like a handheld, a Microsoft handheld thing that was like something. I don't know. It'd be interesting because, you know, Microsoft doesn't really have a handheld gaming system. Maybe they would release the Game Gear in a form that is uh, actually usable and fun. Like yeah. the, game, the Game Gear uh, release or mini release, re-release. Um, yeah, there, uh, that is another rumor, too, is that a Dreamcast Mini apparently is a um, not a sure thing, but a very... Not in the distant future, they expect it to happen. Whoever they is, yeah, um, which I'll, I could I'll, see. And that'd I'll, be fun. I'll, yeah, I'll get it because I, yeah, I get it's them many. All. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta catch them all, Eric. That's all right. right, Eric. My question to you. <clears throat> yeah. All right. You have to imagine yourself. We have to go back to the way back machine here. Okay. I'm using my way back sound effect right now. Um, Eric, it's 1983, yeah. just before the the video game crash. Hmm. Uh, Young you, for some reason, doesn't own a console yet. I'm in sixth grade, okay. Okay, you don't own a console yet at all. Yeah. Um, knowing what you know now, and keep in mind, it's right before the crash, so everything is about to get dirt cheap. Yes. Uh, which one console do you tell your young self to buy? The Atari 2600, mm-hmm. the ColecoVision, or the Intellivision? That's tough. That's a tough one. Um out of do, those three, do, 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 do. yeah, I think I was most impressed out of those three, you know, when we when we tend to tap into those libraries, I, I'm always really impressed with the ColecoVision. Okay. Especially the arcade ports, like they look so good for that time period. And knowing myself back then, if I could have got a game that looked so authentic you know, to the okay. arcade. Cause yeah. you compare Coleco to 2600. Now the 2600 had such a large library and that's appealing. I'd l- I'd like to do that, but, but so much of it is garbage. It's so much of it is garbage. <laughs> and it just it, frankly, it doesn't sound or look as good as the Coleco or in television. So really to me, this is kind of a toss up between the Intellivision and Coleco. And I, I think I'd, I probably, my, my friend and I back then in, in 83 always talked about the Intellivision cause they had B 17 bomber and we were into those kind yeah, of games. Yeah. 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 But the, I think that I, knowing what I know now, I'd pick the ColecoVision. Okay. Yeah. So when I look at these three, I think uh, Atari best controller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, absolutely. Uh, the ColecoVision, like you said, a great ar- arcade ports. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would lean towards the Intellivision. And that is because um, the games are desi- that are designed for that system, in large part because it's got the big old number pad and stuff, uh, which a ColecoVision had too. But Intellivision games really leaned towards... Um, more deeper experiences like simulators and uh, things that required like 12 different buttons or like uh, overworlds and maps and they're just bigger deeper experiences and a little more slow paced um, right. not very much in the way of arcade games on the Intellivision I know there's some but not ones I choose to play um, right. they, they'd be better on honestly both the other two systems um, but that's just the style of gameplay I think I can get the most bang for my uh buck or more time out of each cartridge so i think i i would lean towards that for my younger self good deal so there we go right on uh actually do have one more quick question i cheated and put a second one on here and this is just because i was playing with my switch the other day and i always forget 
to use the dang touchpad and things will pop up and I'll be like, which button do I hit? And eventually it might, I remember, oh, I can just like poke it. <laughs> do you right, ever... By touchpad, you mean touchscreen, right? The touchscreen, like the... yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So yeah, do you ever I... use that screen? So early on, I'd use it to actually type, like to log into the eShop or whatever, because I couldn't do the on-screen one. And I, I use my Switch mainly docked. I mean, yeah. I, I, I very rarely use it as a handheld. I know you use it a lot That's more true. as a handheld. Um, so, you know, I got used to, for a while, I was just taking it off of the dock to type in my credentials to get into the eShop. But lately, um, yeah, I do. I, I, I kind of was keyed into exactly what you're saying. Like sometimes during the games when I was playing Yeez, mm-hmm. like that, that Yeez game, like I could just take, I could just t- touch the buttons on there to do what I want to do. Yeah. And uh, it just depends on the game. In general, no, I don't use the touchscreen. I use the Pro Controller, which... I know I've mentioned this a couple of times. The Pro Controller to me is one of the best controllers of any system I've had in the last 10 years. I love the Pro Controller, the Nintendo Pro Controller. High praise. It is high praise. Um, I love it. And so I tend to play docked and on the, on the big screen a lot with that Pro Controller. But when I don't, I do use the, the, the touchscreen quite a bit to, to do things. Yeah. No, I forget about it constantly. Anyways, that's quick questions. Um, Really quick before we move on, I do want to make sure everyone does know uh, here in California, we finally got our lockdown uh, in effect for all this COVID stuff going up. So Eric and I, if you can't tell by this kind of strange pacing of our talking here, we are uh, in our own homes uh, about three miles away from each other. (laughs) Yeah, I I do not like recording like this, but it does work and it is safer, so we'll do it. Yep. Uh, And then, of course, Tim will be uh, here live in person, as always. (laughs) okay maybe not maybe not so if you want to find show information you're going to go to pixelguiden.com if you want to reach us on twitter you can reach me eric nelson at the project duh project you can reach the show at at pixel underscore guiden you can reach cody at at oddball which is oddba1149 you can reach tim at sanction at S-A-N-X-I-O-N. Please review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast catcher that you use. That would be really helpful for us. And if you want to email us, you can email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. And we do encourage feedback. We also have a Patreon account set up. So if you wish to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. You can support us with as little as a dollar all the way up to infinite dollars. If you do so, you'll get access to the Amigos Retro Network Discord server, where all kinds of cool chat is happening about not only our show, but the other shows, such as Bright Castle and, of course, the Amigos, um, amongst other shows. And there's various other topics in there, um, everything from for sale to music to uh, high score contests, things like that. If you support us at the $3 or more tier, we like to announce every supporter at that level here on the show in a way that we can only do here on Pixel Guide and using our random adjective generator. And this month is a bit of an homage to Cyberpunk. The corporation would like to thank you in advance for your assimilation. First, we would like to note the following individuals for rank advancement. The hospitable Jim Tessier. The shrill Henrik Lofel. The bounding Gary Heather. And the marvelous Dustin Newell. Please relocate to gate 34A to have your ID chip upgrades installed. 
We would like to ask the following individuals to join us at Institutional Building G before the day's end to receive constructive rehabilitation for Aaron and Steeds. The guiltless Matthew Ackerman. The perfect Daniel James. The ethereal Josh Malone. The diligent Eric Sandgren. The groovy David Vincent. And the guarded 10-minute Amiga Retrocast. Attention. Attention. For the following individuals, please make themselves noted. The elfish David Motilak. The hoping Roy Fielding. The tearful Mr. Toast. The imaginary Team Grey all the way. And the scandalous Pache Sosnowski. Your immediate response to the incinerary is required for immediate termination. We would also like to acknowledge the following individuals for acts benefiting the corporation without prompting. The glamorous Paradroid, the defective Ramoke Ramoke, and the wandering Ant Stiller. Your efforts will be rewarded with seven credits each. Finally, we want to welcome our newest assimilated member, the squeamish Mitsuyama. We thank you in advance for years of servitude and obedience. All right. Woo! Yes. Thank you. Thank you. The Patreon supporters are the lifeblood of the show, and we do appreciate it. And uh, we got a new one uh, this past month, Mitsuyama, right? Yeah, he was big, our, our guest of note on that previous uh, announcement there. Yeah, awesome, because he is, uh, I, I've, I hear his name come up all the time on the Amigos podcast, so we really do appreciate it. We appreciate all of our Patreon supporters. It helps us out quite a bit. And we see about a handful of them in the, the uh, Discord. Yes. Um, so if you guys are on the fence about joining, even if you do- join for just a dollar, you Patreon uh, support for a dollar for the Pixel Guide and podcast, you get access to the Discord server, which is a friendly, um, you know, very video game, uh, microcomputer centric forum with not only us, but uh, all those other great podcasts that we just mentioned. Yeah, so many subjects and uh, chat rooms on there. I mean, you you will never get bored and of the conversations in there. There's just so much going on in there. I, I it's overwhelming to me at times. I was going to say mean, you also I, will never be able to read it all. Like, <laughs> right? I, I always very, feel bad because there's always like unread stuff, and I'm like, I can't. I just I can't do it all. But yeah, it's it is fun. Speaking of uh, uh, Discord interaction, we have a few pieces of errata and feedback that uh, our listeners sent to us. Oh. In various states of uh, anger and or elation. <laughs> it's like, we did something wrong? What? No. Got something wrong. Okay, let's... let's tell, tell us what this is. Well, the first one's simple. Uh, Josh Malone, we, we mentioned last month that he was working on an arcade one-up um, control board and retrofitting it and making it do cool things. Uh, it was actually the At Games controller that he was gotcha. using, uh, not yeah. arcade one-up. So, small one. I think we're okay there. Um now, our our boy Doug from Ten Minute Mega Retrocast. This guy gets fired up from time to time. All right, he he's, does. Yes, he <laughs> he's a passionate man, and rightly so. Mm-hmm. Um, on our last month's episodes, in two different episodes, uh, we were making comments, and I think the gist of what we were saying was different than what we said. Uh, right. But apparently, we had stated, or it seemed we stated, that there were no Amiga magazines back in the day, um, or very few in America. Right. And I think I misspoke in there because I, it was a conversation I was talking about. And it, I was talking, what I meant to say was that there were no, in my opinion, good Amiga 
game-centric magazines. Yes. In our second episode, we clarified that. Um, mm-hmm. But Doug uh, jumped right in there after hearing that first one and said, what about Amiga World, Amazing Computers, Commodore Mag, Video Toaster Mag, Info, or dot .info, Run? And he kept going, but there was a ton of them. Um, but yeah, d- you and I had kind of the same point there, uh, which is you and I are children at heart. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and in everything but physical body. Um, and we wanted to see, like, the, the gaming magazines that like 13 year olds had in the UK where it was like we opened a Amiga magazine and it's just filled with pictures and fart jokes and yeah and, and game it. reviews and that's what I we love the fart jokes yeah and I love uh, it all because <laughs> when I get off work the last thing I want to do is look at a, a spreadsheet or a word processor like I just want to play games and do something fun and so uh, that's what I meant to say, but I, I didn't. So, I mean, he is right. So <laughs> I do want to say he's right, but I didn't mean like gaming stuff. And I will say even the Commodore magazines, the, the Commodore 64 centric magazines here were not, were not, you know, the game parts were pretty weak. I thought, I mean, yeah. cause I, I did computes gazette and run and they, they, they did not cover games the way that I later found was awesome, you know, from Zap and Crash yeah. and those magazines. Or I even mean. the American Console um, gaming yeah. magazines. Um, one thing I will say is I, I mentioned there, I, I, I grew up with a Mac. Yeah. And uh, I just remember looking at Macworld magazine. Mm-hmm. And every month we'd get an issue of that. My mom subscribed. And every month I'd go to the game section. And every month it would be, actually, you know what? I don't even think it was Macworld. It was actually a Mac software catalog we'd get is what it was. It wasn't even a magazine. Okay. Uh, my mom wouldn't actually pay for stuff, so I was even surprising myself there. Um, so, no, she got the free magazine, <laughs> which would uh, have orders in there. And I'd go to the same six pages of games, and it was always the same games. They would never change. There was never any new software. <laughs> and it drove right. me absolutely... Because everything was just shareware. Right. So, like, physical sold games, it was, uh, like, the same garbage every time um and like the one or two good games that were in there like we already owned so like right. everything else i'm just like uh anyways it was a rough sell for max for games <laughs> yeah yeah because you know i worked for a, the strategy guide for video games and we never i mean or i don't want to say never we rarely had strategy guides for any mac games <laughs> well i think one of these days i'm going to convince you guys to let us do a uh, pc versus mac uh Battle of the Systems. Oh, yeah. Because I be really fun. want to cover a game I played when I was a kid, which is the most amazing game to me, and it is Mac-centric, and that is Marathon. Yeah, yeah, the one by the guys that made Halo, right? Yep, the first-person shooter, and uh, yeah. I do remember vaguely playing that, and I would love to go back and try that again, so we have to do that. The last that piece of errata we got was from Team Grey all the way, Yeah, um, and he we mentioned uh, haphazardly that uh, a bunch of things about CR2032 batteries, actually I did, um, and he just wanted to point out, make sure people know, there are several variants uh, of voltage and charge. Uh, for example, don't put an LR2032 into a CR2032. Uh, there's a voltage difference between those. And also, we had mentioned the Dreamcast. Actually, Tim mentioned the Dreamcast had a slightly different battery. Well, the key is that is an ML2032, which is a rechargeable version of the battery and should not be swapped with a plain CR2032. Otherwise, it'll try to charge a non-rechargeable battery. I guarantee you that if I open up my Dreamcast right now, there is a CR2032 yeah. in there. 
I don't so think- I'm, I'm, I'm violating the principles of this, of this <laughs> thing right now because uh, I don't think I've ever bought an L- ML 2032 nor didn't know that existed, Eric. I'm going to yeah. be honest with you right now. Whoops. So you learn something new every day. I'll go. I'll run out and do that because that <laughs> probably is why mine wear out so fast. Yeah, they I only last. Yeah. Yeah, my battery is out quick on that. So that's part of the load up screen sound in my mind is the sound of that going straight into the uh, hey, change your clock, <laughs> set date and time. <laughs> yeah, yep. Hey, Eric. Let's. Uh, speaking of violating uh, things, how about we violate some beer? Oh, I, I thought you would never ask. Um, I would love it if we could start with. How about the one, the uh, canned one I supplied you? So Eric and I did meet up quickly earlier today to trade beers so we can enjoy beer together on the show. Fully masked with shields on and biohazard suits. Yep, yep, absolutely. I uh, used my grabbers to partake in (laughs) taking the bag out of Eric's hands. Um, So the one that I provided here... And this this beer speaks to me too. I bought it specifically because it speaks to you, Eric. Yes. So I was at our local, my favorite uh, local brewery. We have like five breweries now in Elk Grove, which is pretty um, amazing. It is yeah. pretty amazing. But however, I'm going to have to be honest. Uh, from what I've tried, this is the one I love, and the other four I could care less about. The other breweries. Okay. Yeah, um, I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to see if I can find something I like. But uh, this is Flatland Brewery. And uh, they had a new release, which is an ESB, Extra Special Bitter. Yeah, which which is a type of beer I love. I, I When I go, I look for ESBs because they are the best. I love, I love Fuller's ESB, and there's, a, um, there's one in a red can, but I don't remember the name, who makes it off the top of my head. But I love ESBs, so I'm looking forward to this. Yes, let's do this. Well, I'm cracking this bad boy open it, and uh, I am pouring it into my boot here. Nice, nice. Well, oh, I'm going to have a quick sip. Ooh, almost lost it. I've got a pretty decent pour on that. Look at that. See, the I, magic of Skype. There Ooh. you go. See, I'm, I have a hard time pouring this boot. In fact, actually, no, it's very Christmassy. It looks like a Santa boot. It's got a lot of uh, fringe at the top. Oh, I didn't look. I see? Could, you, your, your, your little <laughs> picture on Skype is so small, I could barely see it. Boom. Oh, no, I see that. That's Boom. a big, yeah. All right, Eric. Well, let's go ahead and say Cheers. Mm, ESB smells so good. Tell me what you think about that bad boy. I can hear you swallowing. That's pretty much perfect, right? ESBs don't change a whole lot. They don't. I don't they, know if you can get goodness. a lot. <laughs> thank goodness they between because then they, one thing I, I talked to my wife about is like pale ales. They're so different. Like you can get one pale ale that's delicious. And then you could get another oh, yeah. pale ale that is horrible. And uh, yep. But ESBs are pretty reliable. Now, this one, it's got a little pepper up front. Yeah, I was going to say, it does have a little, um, that's a good way to put it, a little char, if you will, a little Yep. Um, yeah, it almost tastes to me like black, if you put black pepper on your tongue. Yeah, mm. gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but no, but that just adds some, it's interesting tapestry. Ooh, ooh, a tapestry. It creates um, complex tapestry to the flavor. Now, knowing that most of these ESBs taste very similar, I will mm-hmm. say the one downside to this one is yep. that it is from, although one of my favorite breweries, they are not a cheap brewery. Oh, really? And this, these are 16-ounce cans and a four-pack of these bad boys, I think it was uh, 14 
Okay. So. Yeah, the, the I was surprised the beer that I, we will have later from me too, 14.99 for a four pack. Yep. Yep. I was like, whoa. But, yeah. you know, it is what it is. All right. So, uh, what should we rate this out of since Oh, we're, if we're going to do it now, um, I'm ready. What do you want? You you brought the beer. You picked the scale. Out of uh out of um out of 12 bitter units. 12 bitter units. Mm-hmm. BTUs. Um, well, you want to go first or you want me to go for it? I'm going to give this a 10, 10 out of 12, 10 out of 12, 10, 10 and a half, 10 and a half out of 12. Ooh, I think, I think I liked it where you had it at that 10. Um, and I think that is primarily because I am factoring in the fact that it costs a lot and it doesn't need to cost as much. You're right there. Yeah, you're right. It, 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 I, I am surprised how some of these microbreweries, like a, you know, dreaming dog down the street. Yeah, they want like nowadays they want eighteen dollars for a six pack. Yeah, and yeah. It's just like they're, they're, I was trying to because they were they're like a walking distance from me, and I was trying to support them, but I can't keep up a habit of an eighteen dollars six pack every week. So yeah, absolutely. And, and this brewery usually when I go to, to these guys, um, you can t- t- taste a bunch of stuff, and they'll have some really outlandish, very crazy flavorful beers that are really unique and for those i'm willing to pay a premium yeah but if i'm basically buying a day-to-day drinking beer like this i'm not paying that price the only thing i'll say to that to that let me counter that That. is that esbs aren't that easy to find that's yeah okay yeah i mean i go to some stores and they'll have only one esb in inventory you know what i mean it's usually fuller's esb yeah i got you i got you sometimes there'll be two so i mean it's good to have some variety and this one does differentiate itself with the flavor well, we so, got our beer out of the way as far as yes. talking about it. We can keep drinking and partaking. But uh, I think we should go ahead and move on to mm-hmm. things that are interesting to you and I. Some might call it the news. Reporting the news! And I'm going to kick this one off with uh, Capcom releasing mini arcade systems. Have you seen this? I have. In fact, I'll be honest, I think I put it further down the list. So we'll ignore that, but yes. Because <laughs> um. <laughs> this is the first one I put on here because I, I am in... There's a reason why I am kind of interested in this. And oh, Okay, I'm a little surprised. I'm not going to lie. I think the Amigos... I think it was the Amigos might have touched on this one, and they were kind of uh, a little down on it. Um it was mainly because it's just another mini arcade machine. You know what I mean? And it's it's too small to really play on and this and that. But what's interesting about this is that the pictures I've seen of it, it is a little bigger than normal. Like, the you know, the Neo Geo, which is the one I'm holding up right here. I don't know if you can see yeah. the picture, but you know, the little Neo Geo one. Yes, this one's too small to really play. I plug it in the TV. I can't really I don't play it on on the, the machine itself. This one is a six button. You can see there's six button and a joystick. It yeah. is a little bigger than what you would see as normal. It says an eight inch screen machines. Eight inch and screen. An eight inch screen. Now, the first thing that rattles around in my brain with this is that if it's hackable, I'll get it because it's a cool form factor. It's bigger than it really, ones, but it really is a cool looking thing. Yeah, I think it is really neat looking. Now, the games on it are all Mega Man and Street Fighter games. Now, there are some puzzle Street Fighter games in here, but um, it 
I, I just love the form factor on this. But the, and then the truth is, is that I do like some of these games. It'd be fun to have a Mega Man in on this form factor. It'd be fun to do a little Street Fighter one player action on this. Um, little Mega I, Man soccer. Yeah. <laughs> Mega Man soccer. But you can see there's Street Fighter. There, now, it's not on this list, but I read there's going to be like the Street Fighter um, puzzle. Puzzle Fighter. fighter. It yeah, it's on the bottom here. Absolutely. Yeah, there it is. I see it. So there's like what? How many, how many games is that? Eight, 12, 10, 10 games or something like that? Yeah, it's like about that? 10. Yep. Um, I don't know. I love the form factor. I think it looks really neat if they keep this. Now, I don't know if this is a beta picture or whatever, but if they keep this form factor, then so I and, think, and the price is right, I might get it. Now, it says this is coming in uh, this Christmas in Japan. So I don't know yeah. if it's coming over here yet. Now, here's two a couple things of note. Yeah, it looks really cool. It's designed to look like a Mega Man helmet, from what I can tell. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it also has like rounded edges on the flat screen, so it looks like an old CRT, which is neat. Yeah. Um, that is neat. The whole, it does look really cool, and the fact that it's an 8-inch screen is really impressive. Um, so I'm like, man, how's, how much is something like this going to cost? And I did scroll down. It says $210 is the equivalent in yen. Um, so my question is, with the other one that was coming out recently being the Sega Astro City arcade? Yeah. Arcade? Yeah. At 210 bucks, I mean, this thing is cool, but the Astro City is also pretty large, and it... I don't know. I don't. I, I don't. If I'd love to have both, but at that price, I can't buy both. But what, how many yen is that? So that that says. See, it just said two thousand seven hundred eighty yen for the Astro City. So how much is that? Like correct. It, and this one. And this one is uh, twenty one. So this is a okay. little bit less. About two hundred and fifty compared to two hundred and ten. Yeah. So I, I don't think I'd ever get both of these. But um, and I, I've always wanted an Astro City like. Um, like a real I always one. wanted a full size one, but I'm probably never going to get one. Um, I don't know. I don't know which one I'd get. It's which interesting. one would you get? I probably the other. I don't know. I, again, I yeah, I'm with, I'm with you. I don't know. Um, th- they both look so cool. I'd really want them both. I honestly, if, I, if they came over here, I might do that thing where I wait and hope they both drop to like a one hundred dollars each sale blowout sale. <laughs> yeah, because you know, <laughs> get I, I walked into Fry's the other day and they. Um, you know the Neo Geo one? It's, yeah. it's get, they're already starting to get blown out. I mean, they're they're pretty cheap. So, well, I got mine for I think thirty bucks. Yeah. yeah. So, God, if these come down at all, then I'm definitely going to get it because I'd love to get one to hack. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I got to be honest. I'd love to shove a Raspberry Pi in one of these. <laughs> oh, this and this I would because I have a million things with rather with Raspberry Pis, but this is something you can actually like portably bring places and use without plugging it into a TV. Like this is a usable. Mm-hmm device so. yeah very cool so yep next um evercade has a new release uh being announced i'm sure you've heard about this as well but uh the newest evercade release is worms yeah which um worms is one of those games i really love but i've never had i've never really totally gotten into worms i would love um, to um but it, i think it's a game you really need to play with somebody else it's not a great one player game I think you're right, and that's why in my past, like I, you, I was pretty much a solo gamer for a lot of, you know, most of the time. So I never really got into it. Um, but this is one cartridge for the Evercade I, I, I'll get because I, I would love to get into Worms, and that would be a perfect, you know, cartridge to get. 
So Worms, of course, being a... Uh, a well, th- and this is what's interesting to me. It includes a bunch of games here, but they're um, 2D artillery tactical video games is what they call them. But you have a bunch of worms on your team. They have a bunch of worms on their team. And you take turns uh, walking around a little bit and then shooting in with like, a huge array of different weaponry and trying to yeah. kill everyone on the other team. Um, comes with the original 1995 Worms, Worms Armageddon from 1999, Worms Blast from 2002, which is actually... Uh, like a um, puzzle pop like game. A, yeah, like a little puzzle game. Uh, Bust a Move, or if you're yeah. familiar with that in the States. Um, that's all it shows there. Yeah. It had more than that, didn't it? I don't know. Yeah, it has up to... Oh, eight worms. I guess that's it. I thought it had more than that. Let me look at the picture. I, I'd still love to get it. I Like I said, I, I think... Oh, no, that's I'd it. I'd love an opportunity to dive into worms again. I mean, I think it would... I think it'd be a lot of fun. I think I, I'll get it. My concern with this is I don't ever plug my Evercade in. I, like, I use it as a handheld. Yeah. And Worms is a game where you have a whole bunch of colors going on and very teeny tiny worms. That's true. I can't yeah. imagine how this would look on a tiny little screen. That's true. It says three games included on the cover. Yeah. Yep. So those so, are the three. Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. I mean, it could be tough. Hopefully they they... They thought of that. They, I don't know if they'd release it if the if the you know the little worms were too small to be seen on the screen. But I guess you never know. Yeah. Well, I mean, you would hope they would take the time, but who knows? Uh, another cool thing about Evercade and what they've got going on is uh, they have announced that they have ten new games coming out in 2021 that will be announced. So they are. Oh, that's good. They are lined up and moving strong, which I'm excited about. Because I I'm still positive about the Evercade, but I will say that the thing that's lacking right now is kind of new games to play, so I would love to... They're doing a pretty good job of coming out with one a month. They just haven't been ones I've been interested in. They've been collections for things I don't particularly want again. Right. Yep. Um, We played Cotton 2 a while back on the Sega Saturn. That's right. Um, And this month... Look, I'm doing segues without even trying, Eric. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And this month... um, they have announced that early next year, a new Cotton game mm-hmm. is coming out for the... Well, I think it's on multiple systems, but also the Nintendo Switch. Um, apparently, it is called Cotton Reboot, and it's okay. a, a remake of the a remake of the Sharp uh, X68000 port of the 1991 arcade release, Cotton Fantastic Night Dreams. So, it's a reboot of a port of an arcade game. Um, but it is very similar to the Cotton We Played, which is a really cool side-scrolling cute-em-up uh, type game, originally a 32-bit in nature. And, of course, it's starting with this uh, special edition here, which has uh, what well, costs $100 for the special edition. Um, these special editions are stupid. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I, people I, are I, buying I, them, so the market's working, but... I, d- I tend not to go the route of the special edition because I just don't think... I think all the, the doodads and whatnot they include with them these days probably isn't worth it. Um, I mean, I liked it back in the day in the Commodore 64 days when you buy a game and it'd have a manual and all, all the maps and stuff, but it was just part of the game. Yeah, um, or, or even... just one edition. Yeah, or even there's ones that uh, bef- right before they get got too crazy with them, it would be like 1999 for... Um, Axiom Verge, and then the yeah. uh, I bought the special edition, which was twenty nine ninety nine, which came with like a map and like an audio CD. I'm like, right. I'll pay the ten bucks extra for the goodies, you know, sure. um, rather than just a game in a case with no manual and no nothing. 
but a uh, hundred dollars. I mean, it cl- includes all kinds of stuff. But are you ever going to use these stickers or this cup or what else? That come? I can't even remember what else it came with here. But anyways, the right. gameplay we're looking at right now. Yeah, and, and it looks like a very slick, updated graphical version of Cotton, which is a those are great games. Yeah. Did Did you play the version on the Neo Geo Pocket Color? Did you ever try that? Uh, you know, I think that one wasn't that first person, like into the screen. Or no, no, it was it was just a it was just a cotton game. I mean, oh. it looks exactly like this, but on the Neo Geo. <laughs> I have not. I'm, I must. Yeah, you should try that one. It's a lot of fun, but there's not a lot of real estate, obviously, on that little screen. So it 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 is a different experience, but it is probably the best shmup on the Neo Geo Pocket Color because there's not really a lot of shmups on there. So true. So I wouldn't really call this game a, a terrific value at that hundred dollar price point. But Eric, what does Tim say is a good value? Tim says here that the Commodore 64 Mega Holiday Season Bundle is on itch.io now. It is hosted by the amazing folks at Badger Punch Games, who created (laughs) Showdown. They've collected together an amazing collection of games, some holiday-related, some just excellent games. They have also included a holiday reskinned version of Showdown, which we talked about Showdown last month, I think. Yeah, um, we did. Yep, version of Showdown called Showdown called Snowdown, Snowdown, which is probably a Christmas themed one, along with Santon from Sarah Jane Avery, which is Santon's a um, a Christmas version of was it Zeta Wing? No, so Sarah Jane Avery released a Neutron, Neutron, that's which was right. right. her that's first right. shmup, which is a pretty solid shmup, and then of course San- is, yeah. Santron is more or less the same game with uh, Christmas sprites. Yep. Um, other games I see on here, we've talked about Blockheads was in the uh, 4K competition we judged uh, yep. on our own accord. <laughs> um, Vegetables Deluxe is in here. P.O. Snake is a really cool one-button game. Um, Man Cave is one I don't have yet or didn't have until yeah. I bought the bundle. Uh, so that's cool. And then Grid Picks, which I just bought as well for about 5 bucks. So. Uh, and then and a, more games. That's a good steal. I, 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 I've had this on my to-do list to go buy for, oh, you know, two weeks now. And I just been so busy. I haven't gotten to it, but well, I'll tell you like what, I Eric, 17 days. You saw exactly. You have 17 days, 19 hours and 15 minutes, but our listeners will hear this in a couple days. So you'll have about 15 days basically yeah. until new year's. So yeah, buy them all for five bucks. Great deal. If you have a Commodore 64 or emulator and you want to check out some new games for the system. I think I'm going to do that because it just fr- frankly to buy these all at once and support the art, the, the artists, the, the programmers. And I call it art, Eric. Yeah, it Video is. Video games and can be art. To have them just all in one folder when you, you know, organize it, I think would be a pretty neat thing. So I agree. All right. Speaking of uh, cool games. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard transition. <laughs> oh, I think we should use that from now on when we can't think of one. Um, tell me tell me about something on the Dreamcast. Oh, I think I will. Well, if you happen to be casting dreams in this direction, you might find out. Uh, Metal Slug 6 is coming out on uh, the Dreamcast. Now, mm-hmm. you can actually download it right now. Because um, yeah. the Dreamcast, of course, you can just burn disk and pop it right in there. Um, mm, delicious. Now, you, you probably want to look at the link we have. It's kind of cool, the story behind all this. But basically... Um, there is a arcade, you know, the Naomi board was very similar to the Dreamcast, so a lot of the Dreamcast games are arcade game, Naomi games that yeah. they just transferred. Well, there's another um, piece of arcade hum- hardware out there, which is actually even more similar to the Dreamcast, 
And uh, this is one of the games that they're able to just pop right over. And they have a list of like 30 games that should be able to just pop right over the Dreamcast now that they've achieved this this first one here. Yeah. Um, so check the link on our website if you want to look at all those. But this could be a whole new uh, glut of uh, new Dreamcast, if you want to call them ports or uh, versions of the arcade games. Yeah, um, I love this just to make an SD card because you and me both have the SD card uh, thing on there now. So... We could just slap all those games on there and boot it right up and have a complete list. Absolutely. That um, another another dream that we might see come to fruition is what, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> good transition. That was not good. That was my probably one of my weaker uh, f- efforts there. Now I'm no programmer, and neither are you. Um, but this caught my eye because I think it's really interesting. There is a you can get uh, what is a, a ZX Spectrum, which is a system you and me both love. You can get a alternate arcade game designer ROM, which is basically a chip that you can get and you can buy it and it's burned on there already. Or you can just, if you know someone with an EEPROM burner, they can burn a, a chip for you that you open up your ZX Spectrum 48K and you pop this in there and you you plug it into the the ROM socket in there and it is basically all the tools that you need to build a game and there's interesting a, a sprite editor a music thing um building different screens um so this is called the ZX Spectrum ROM arcade game designer yep and it but it, it yeah so the ROM plugs in there you do it and you can just save your games you just save off your games and then you can play the games on any ZX spectrum uh, that you've programmed the game for but this basically sets up your ZX spectrum as a little mini you know game mach- game designing machine all with all you don't have to load up the tools in there and eat up valuable RAM this has it all in there something I don't know how to use but definitely cool. So the next item we have here is on the Amiga Scourge of the Underkind, which is a kind of chaos engine inspired shooter, which is coming out soon or soon ish. Which, of course, um, is a, a chaos engine, a top down shooting game that was very famous on the Amiga. Yep. And I love top down shooters. I, I There's a fine balance there. Uh, between puzzle games and arcade shooters. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and Chaos Engine did it. I thought it did a good job of just be, being less puzzly and more, whereas like the Alien Breed games are more puzzly, which I did not like. So I don't know if you share the same opinion, but... Yeah, I can um, see that'd be hard because if you make a really pure arcade shooter game, mm-hmm. it's either going to be so hard that it's just frustrating and impossible um so they try to mix it up between a little bit of hard you know make that a little hard but change your mindset how am i gonna get the puzzle finished then oh wait they're still shooting at me right uh but if you go pure puzzle that you know that could be a downer or if you go pure arcade it just becomes impossible otherwise it's you know exactly that's my opinion i I guess i don't mind like light puzzle elements it's when it gets to like alien breed where it was all just about puzzles i didn't i just did don't dig it this game looks, I'm hoping that this game will find that balance, but the graphics look really good. I mean, I I do love this kind of game. Even on the early Commodore 64, there was a, um, God, there was a castle one that was like, um, I, I don't remember what it was, but I, I did really enjoy that one. And 
it it, it kind of spawned my love for these kind of games. But the graphics on this one look really amazing. Not talking about Eagle's Nest, are you? Eagle's Nest, yeah. That's that funny. It. Yeah, you said Castle, but and I thought of Castle Wolfenstein, and I'm like, wait, there's I know there's another like Nazi Eagle Nest kind of game. <laughs> Eagle's Nest, yeah, the, that is the one I was thinking of though, and that I, I did really like that one as a kid. Like I played that one a ton. Nice, cool. So anyway, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, you know, it is not a top-down shooter. Is this next strange uh, <laughs> topic? Um, there's a lot of I, so boat. Uh, our, our our buddy Boat um, put this well when I was listening to um, uh, This Week in Retro, which is an actual retro video game news show yeah. with actual mm-hmm. news that's current and up to date. Um, right. n- no offense, Eric. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he was talking about how, you know, the FujiNet, which uh, you and I are both have both partaken. Yes. Um, allows you to get your, you know, your old Atari 8 bit computer on the web. And one of the hot things that was going around on the uh, social medias uh, this last few weeks was somebody wrote a program for the Atari using the FujiNet that could pull uh, weather reports right out of the air. Correct. <laughs> so you could and sit it, there. It, it is really cool. And it does get, get, get you the current weather in your area. I mean, it, 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 on your 8-bit Atari, and it has a very stylistic look of like a like a, what you would see on a weather app on a PC or whatever. It looks great. And he had a really great point, and that is that uh, we are narcissists. Um, I'm using my own words here. And basically, yeah, you could do that for free using your phone or a computer, but we'd rather mm-hmm. spend hundreds of dollars on peripherals to have a really chunky old computer do a half uh, a half-butted attempt <laughs> at doing the same thing. Correct. Because it's fun, and it has no point except that it's fun because um, it can be done because it can be done. So, uh, you can let your weather app run in the background, but you can also now pull out your Nintendo NES. Um, and there is a game that, or a, a ROM out there. Now, uh, if you hook up another device, I think it's a raspberry Pi zero or something similar, um, to your NES, you can now use this ROM to track the international space station location. <laughs> On your Nintendo, <laughs> and on your so NES. Every second it updates, and you can see pictures here of, it's a map of uh, the world, and a little reticle that says, here's where it is, and it updates for you. So you can have <laughs> all kinds of um, extremely useful information that affects your day-to-day life uh, displayed all over your house if you have all your old systems hooked up. That's so. pretty amazing. I, one side note on the uh, FujiNet was during the um, election, they, they had a real-time voting counter, too. Those guys that do the FujiNet. Yeah, I, <laughs> so I did could, see that. Yeah, you could have your Atari 8-bit computer up and running and just watch through the night as the, the votes came in. It was pretty interesting. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. New. That is new. <laughs> and so is this next piece of news, Eric? Correct. New from the future was 8-bit. This one sent oh. in to us by Tim, by the way. Yes, this was sent in by our good friend Tim and co-host. It is a version of the Kung Fu Flash Commodore 64 cartridge expansion created by Kim Jorgensen. Did I get that right? Sounds good to me. Nick from uh, the future was 8-bit has taken the base open source Git JIT. GitHub. Yep, and refined the usual uh, feature was 8-bit way. This amazing device not only allows you to load a program and single disk image files through the cartridge slot via micro SD slot, it also allows you to mount cartridge images, which is really handy. Um, 
So you can run games and also cartridge images, images like Easy Flash, Action Replay, Epix Fast Load. Um, and the price is right on this one. It is priced at about 45 pounds, which I think is a good deal for a cartridge that does all this stuff. And it's cool. It's a cool color. It's, it's got green. the coolest name of any flash card. Kung Flu Flash? Yeah. I mean, come on now. Yeah, exactly. It looks it looks amazing. And uh, for that price, I mean, you know, if you don't want to spend the money on uh, like the Ultimate 1541 cartridge, which is really expensive, this one should do you up. Um. Yeah, and it, like you said, it comes with a, a cool little sleeve. Uh, the, the presentation that they did with this at the Future with 8-Bit is awesome. Yeah. Uh, this lime green cart um, it looks the part. It's got all these buttons, a little green LED that matches. Um, and, of course, as they like to do, they came out with a new product, so they released all kinds of uh, swag to go along with it. So you can buy, like, mugs and uh, and other things that say Kung Fu Flash on it and have this karate guy kicking. Yeah. Um, it's pretty cool. It's pretty 80s. <laughs> Now, I'm not sure why the guy is holding a large bird. Now that I look it, at it, yeah, I have asked no him about that. Yeah, <laughs> the kung fu guy is doing like a, a crane kick, and he is holding a maybe a crane. Maybe he's holding a crane. One thing that I did find a little sad about this for us Americans was that it is a POW only, isn't it? I'm pretty sure it's uh, POW only I right now. I think I did hear that, and you just reminded me, yes. I think if you scroll down, I think it says it's POW only. Um, I think Tim said that Kim is working on yep, that. But it does. Currently, Kung Fu Flash does not support NTS machines, and neither does it support disk swapping at time of writing. Um, so I'm hoping that they work on that and, and fix that kind of up, because without it, we're we're uh, we're dead in the water. We're not doing too good good over here in the uh, the old US of A when it comes to nope. kung fu cartridges. It's like a third world nation over here. But we will be doing quite good when the Affinity Game Table comes to pass. Ooh, um, yeah. Arcade One Up released yet another innovative new product. I love this company. Um, yeah, they're getting is, better and better. I mean, I, I you know, well, I mean, I bought one of their first products and I'm happy. With, I didn't buy it for full price. Right. But I'm happy with it. Um, mm-hmm. In the uh, the three quarter scale arcade game behind me, the Street Fighter cab that I modded up the wazoo, um, I'm still uh, looking forward to potentially buying one of the uh, mini pinball machines, digital pinball machines they have. Yeah, um, so looks so good. They really do. It priced a little higher than I want to pay, but um, we'll see what happens in the future. But what's funny is I remember back in the day. Um, and when I say back in the day, I'd say maybe 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, maybe right before uh, tablets became a big thing. Yeah. I remember Microsoft, I want to say it was Microsoft, started coming out with these uh, touchscreen computers. Yeah. That were really huge. I think, what, did they call them Microsoft Glass? No, that was something, was that something else? No, I think they, I think there was Microsoft Glass or something, or Surface. Yeah. So I, 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 I mean, there was a Surface Glass or something like that. There was a big one. But then Sam, I, I was at a Best Buy and I saw one from Samsung, this giant tablet. It was pretty yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I was excited about it because it looked like you'd lay it down as like a table, like a coffee table. And mm-hmm. you and I are both really into board games. And I just saw the potential for this thing to play like board games. Like it was a table. You just press the game you want to play. All the pieces are set up. It's all digital. And you just drag your finger across it. And it's a board game. You can play board games. Yeah. So Arcade One Up is actually doing that. Um, they are, have released the Infinity Game Table. Um, I shouldn't say they have released it; they are releasing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess right now they do have a. It looks like it 
does have a Kickstarter campaign for this specific device. Um, okay. So they are gauging some interest. Uh, there are two size options, 24-inch and 32-inch. <clears throat> um, and it looks like just a cool little coffee table. They're showing it here with Monopoly, of course, the greatest of all board games. <laughs> <laughs> Woof. <laughs> Woof. Um, <laughs> But, I mean, I would have to see what games and what kind of support it gets, but it mm-hmm. looks like the perfect little mini coffee table video game amalgamation. I I just think it's cool that it's actually going to be made. They also offer jigsaw puzzles. Um, they say social play plus. You can connect to other players worldwide wirelessly, so you don't just play by yourself or with friends on the couch. You can play, you know, worldwide. Um, ooh, digital coloring books, Eric. Yes, I saw that. And Jigsaw Puzzles. <laughs> Anyways, I think it's a cool concept. I think it's a cool concept. I do hope that they open it up to uh, more modern kind of, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, better games. Like, you know, the kind of games you and I play. I don't really know what to call them. I mean, they're just more better. elaborate games, I guess. Better, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I hope they open that. And then... You know, on Steam, there's this thing where, and I don't remember the name of it, but there's a thing you can buy on there that is, it doesn't have any logic behind it, but it has all the pieces of of the kind of games we like. Yep, Tabletop and Simulator. You, yes, exactly. If they could just put that on there where you can just move the pieces around and you can do your own logic behind it just by playing a game, um, that then you have something. That would be awesome. Very cool. And then I was also noticing at the bottom of the page here, because I'm on their website, um, they are coming out with a couple other things I did not yet know about, like Big Buck Hunter. So a three-quarter scale Big Buck Hunter complete with the shotguns, the colorful shotguns. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know if you saw that. See right there. There you go, Eric. Oh, that's um, pretty cool. Yeah. Cool, cool concept. Big I can't... That, I think, would be, have to be for a completionist. I think that's a cool concept, but if you're talking about one game that you can only play one game on and then you move on, um, yeah. you get very tired of that. And given the uh, the guns, unless you can find a way to get other um, shooters built into that, I can't imagine that being a terribly long-lasting game in your collection. I agree. I 100% agree. Yeah. Although I am- they have that golf game where you have the big, uh, uh, you know, golden, ball. Golden you know tee. Golden Tea, and I, I thought about that going, man, that would be pretty cool. It'd be pretty fun to have that, but then that's it. That's the game you have. Yeah. Now, that does have four different games on it, though, from uh, yeah, what let I'm me, seeing. Let me read them to you, Eric. You have Big Buck Hunter Pro, Big Buck <laughs> yeah. Safari, Big Buck Hunter Open Pro Season, and Big Buck Safari Outback. So, you know, four very different games <laughs> for you to enjoy with this. Slap Terminator on there, and you got something. It would be really cool if they made it so that you could play... Area 51 and uh, uh, House of the Dead. I mean, if yeah. you, it, that would make it really cool. You're right. Yep. Um, but I know this license is owned by Raw Thrills. In fact, you can see it on the side there. They make the big Buck Hunter series. Yeah. And uh, so it's only going to contain their games. But Right. Um, hey, speaking of big bucks, Tim. I, I think uh, Nintendo threw down some big bucks. <laughs> oh, does he? Did I jump out of line there? You jumped out of line there. Tim, Tim's got something here. Um, okay. What does he have? The Ultimate 64 ha- has a new firmware update, version 1.37, now with EX FAT support. So, you know, usually it, it only takes FAT32 support. 
um, a restructure menu on F5 key, um, addition of analog modes, PAL64 and NDC50 to name but a few, full list and firmware download or, or at Gideon's site. So it's always nice to see that the Ultimate 64 is being updated. You, I know Tim and I have one. You you don't have an Ultimate 64, right? I do not. That is one peripheral I probably will really need to get. <laughs> yeah, and the Honestly. Ultimate 64 isn't the peripheral. It's the it's the actual Commodore 64 you put into a Commodore 64 case. Correct, correct. I, well, either that yeah. or the Ultimate, uh, what's the one I'm thinking? The Ultimate 1541. 1541. Which both are must-haves, like one or yeah. the other. That's true. Um, but it's cool to see that these updates are still coming out, and this one sounds like I need to get mine flashed here pretty soon. Very cool. Um, speaking of news, does that work? <laughs> that, that'll work. Uh, really quick, this and I'm more just laughing about... Um, what, I love the R-Type series, and I love the remake they made on... Um, uh, the PlayStation 2 is called R Type Final because Eric, it was the final one. Um, of course. Well, Aren't they always. R Type Final 2 <laughs> <laughs> uh, is being released on the Switch. In fact, now I'm going to look it up because I don't want to lie to anybody um, whether or not it's actually out yet or not. Um, that's like Final Fantasy 14. That, yeah, that's not- the biggest. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> You know it's not, it's not popping up, Eric. R Type Two. Oh, then why? Because I need to put Final in there. That's right. Um, so there yeah, it says announcement. I don't see that it's released quite yet, but it looks like it's a, uh, it's going to be released in early 2021. So spring 2021. I I loved the. Uh, I don't know if you played R Type Final, but it was cool because you could collect like a hundred different R Type fighters. It was I a game. I don't think I ever played that one. It was a game that had you know it was that. R-type gameplay, but there's so many things you could do to unlock other things that you could play it for hours and hours and not be bored. Okay. Um, it's not like playing the same game over and over and over again. Um, so, Tim had something more to say. Did he? Something about cheese. Yes, he did. He said, <laughs> cheesy trials by uh, Houston consultants, Huco, for the expanded VIC-20. Amazing new game from Huco. Save Echo the mouse and guide him through 36 fiendishly designed rooms puzzle platform. It's a puzzle platformer with high res graphics and great sound on the Vic 20. Any Vic 20 game is always welcome to me. I, yeah, I, exactly. I love Vic 20 games. Uh, Huco pushing the Vic 20 again to the max. This is their entry into the winter, the 64 Vic 20 competition. Oh, that's so it cool. runs on, yeah, it runs on the six C 64 maxi and Vic 20 remake by retro games limited. Also, it'll run of course on a real Vic 20. So, so- I, I remember I actually did uh, retweet this one when I saw it pop up. This game does look pretty uh, interesting. It is kind of a puzzle, but um, in a way that I find uh, entertaining. I have the video up here so you can see some of the gameplay here in a second. But yeah. what's, I think what's most interesting, first of all, like you said, it's a VIC-20 game. Yeah. Um, but what I found interesting about what you just read there mm-hmm. is that the... Here we go. Echo the mouse cheesy trials. Um is part of the the C64 Maxi and the Vic 20 remake uh, competition, which we announced last month without a whole lot of details because they didn't have a ton to, to say. I remember that they kind of like half haphazardly kind of threw it out there with with very few details for anyone to follow. Yeah, so you can see in this game, it's a black screen. Uh, you're you're this mouse. It's kind of hard to see in this video, um, and you get to run towards uh, various blocks of cheese and whatnot. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to get a better... Here we go. But it's kind of drawn as you go. So this mouse just went and grabbed the first piece of cheese, and it changed the level. Second piece, it changed the level. And you only gotcha. have so many seconds to grab that cheese. So it's kind of like a, a split-second yeah. reaction time puzzle I see platformer. That. This is pretty cool. Yeah, I can see this being a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh, another game I found to be a lot of fun, and this one I actually did play. Uh, again, this is news to me, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily news to anybody else, uh, but there is a project out there uh, called Mega Man Trials. Have you heard of this at all? I have not. Um, so it's obviously a fan project um, called Mega Man... Oh, I'm sorry. Mega Man... I'm mixing up the two games. Mega Man 8-Bit Deathmatch <laughs> is, the, is, the, uh, is the game. And this apparently has been out for a few years, but they just released version 6. I okay. never heard about it, and Mega Man is my favorite game series of all time. Okay. Um, I kind of came to that realization the other day. Uh, so this is just like fan service. It, it's, uh, let's see if you can watch some gameplay here. It is like the actual sprites from pulled from different Mega Man games. And, I mean, it really looks authentic. But it is yeah, a straight-up first-person shooter deathmatch. Um, oh, wow. There you go. <laughs> it looks so cool. And I was having a blast with it. The gameplay... It, I mean, it's solid, and it is kind of fun. The AI is not great. I think it'd be a lot better. I only played single player. It is cool that they have a single player campaign, though. Uh, but there are death matches where you're running around. You can get your health and your power-ups. Um, you have other robot bosses, um, you know, weapon enhancements that you can pick up while you're fighting. So you might grab uh, Heat Man's heat gun thing, and you get to use that until you run out of energy. And then you can go grab another power-up. Um Snake Man, snakes that run across the ground, or Ice Man does that ice freeze. I mean, they're taken straight from the real game, the real Mega Man games, the 8-bit Mega Man games. And I think every time they do an update, they add more bosses. So at this point, they have almost all of the original NES bosses, plus the bosses from the, re- the um, reimagined uh, Mega Man 9 and 10. Mm-hmm. Um, just super cool project. Even if you guys don't like Mega Man, just check it out for the technical merit of what they've done here. It's super cool. Mega Man 8-bit deathmatch. So let me ask you, maybe this is a stupid question. What does this play on? I just apologize. PC? Yeah, this is a PC game. Absolutely. Okay, cool. So it's something you can get on Steam or something? Um, I just went to their website, which we have a link here, yeah. and uh, okay. download it straight to my PC. Sweet. That's um, even better. I think it's one of those things where it has to keep getting mirrored because it is a Capcom property and they did not pay for the license. Right. But it's out there. You'll find it. Dirt, dirty pirates. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Speaking of dirty pirates, mm-hmm. Tim's back. <laughs> Tim is a dirty pirate. <laughs> uh, he says that Soul Force is now ready for pre-order on the ProDivision website. And I think you already have taken advantage of this, haven't you? Uh, if you want to call it advantage, um, this, <laughs> I, I looked back on it, and uh, she's made some great Commodore 64 games. She absolutely and, has, yeah. And I've always paid a little for each one, but I've gotten much more enjoyment than I've ever paid for. Um, so when this game came out, and they actually have a physical version of it for sale, yes. I yeah. said, you know what, I'm going to buy it, I want it. I don't own a modern physical Commodore 64 game yet, mm-hmm. and uh, after all the shipping and conversion charges and all this stuff to get it from england it's like a 70 dollar game yeah um, that's a lot of that's a 
That's a big nut to crack. Yeah, it's a hard pill to swallow. Um, but I, if I was going to buy one, even though I haven't played this one yet, this looks like the one to buy in large part because it's also a very special um, uh, ROM game design that won't fit on a standard on standard hardware. I'm sure there's yeah. some funky ways to get around it, but basically having a cartridge of this is the easiest and best way to go. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and of course this is another, um, it's a horizontal shmup this time, which she has not released a horizontal shmup. Um, but it's gorgeous. It's technically impressive and her gameplay and all the games I've played that she's made have been amazing. So I don't expect anything less on this one. Yeah, it looks, it looks amazing. I, I have not pulled the trigger on this yet, but um, I, I think I have some money coming in from some eBay sales, and when I do, I think I will try to try to grab this. Ooh, Eric's selling stuff now. What's that all about? It, yeah, it's it's not game related. So. <laughs> what I did, <laughs> I don't find, sell anything game related. What I do like is it does come with you know the full big box box, a full manual, a sticker, a, a CD with the soundtrack, the game on a cartridge, which is in a very attractive white shell. A yeah. game comes from ProDivision, by the way. And it includes a small toy replica model of the ship from the game, the spaceship. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty awesome. And what's funny about it is when you order it, mm-hmm. you can uh, add, add buy additional things. So of course I got the full thing. But if you want uh, an additional spaceship, you can add two euros. If you want one full set of six spaceships, you can pay five euros. And if you want two full sets of six spaceships, you get ten euros. <laughs> now I don't know why oh. six is a full set. Yeah. Um, but, oh, I just realized something, Eric. Huh. I actually, I wonder if I can change my pledge. I am ready to pay for the spaceships. I just looked over here. Yeah. The spaceships are not six of the same spaceship. That's what I thought, and I didn't They're understand that. They're different spaceships, yeah. They are, like, different spaceships from the game. Like, I am ready to pay for these toys. Now... <laughs> they look cool. They now, look really, really cool. Now, I'm looking at them. They are, um... I don't know if you've ever seen those toys. They're like a plastic credit card. You push out the parts and build them. Yeah. So they are. You build them yourself. They're not like a hard plastic uh, 3D model. They are a. a yeah. You build it yourself. That's pretty slick. That is really slick. Cool. I would. Yeah. I would want a baker's dozen of those. <laughs> <laughs> um. There's been a baker's dozens of new uh, updates to Breath of the Wild, Eric. Oh, yes. And th- this is, uh, go ahead and tell me about this because I, and then I want to tell you about Breath of the Wild. Well, I want you to start. Tell me about Breath of the Wild because I'm pulling up a website here so I don't miss anything. You know, f- my personal history with Breath of the Wild is that I started it. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, and I bought, I, I beat two of the bosses in, in the game. Like there's these, I, it's been so long since I've played it. Um, my memory's going to be fuzzy, but I beat two of the bosses in the, the bosses are very puzzly, which, okay, you, you get it. It's a Zelda game. Things are going to be puzzly, but it was a little too puzzly for my taste. So I kind of gave it up. But I think about Breath of the Wild all the time because I never finished it. And other than the bosses, I loved the game. I loved the world. I love walking around, um, collecting the weapons, fighting the the things around, even the... Again, this is my bad memory, but there's like these little, the little temples, I think they're called. Um, yeah. Yep. You, though, even the puzzle element of the temples to me was a blast. It was a, it was fun. I loved those. Um, so I, I, I kind of need a reason to, to pull me back into Breath of the Wild. 
So tell me about this. Well, I'm hoping this update does it for you. Um, okay. Now, I say that, and I'm not going to lie, Eric, I cannot yeah. find any information about the update now. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> well, it was fun to hear you talk about Breath of the Wild. Wow, that was news to me. Well, it um, says that the DLC allows you to see where you have been on the map, which would be very handy. Because that was the main thing that uh, that I saw, and um, unfortunately, the link is not working for me, so I cannot verify. Uh, okay. but, I, but I did see that that was a big part of it, is now as you complete parts of the map, it'll kind of, you can look at a history with a little line that shows you everywhere you've walked, yeah. like since the beginning of the game, like a kind of a... Um, uh, like they did in the old Looney Tune cartoons, where you Wiley e. Coyote would go around the map, and a little dotted line would happen. Yeah. <laughs> like the um, Family Circus ones too. I remember showing you where the kids were going and destroying things. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So it sounds like a pretty um, big update, which should hopefully pull us back into the game. I I put a good thirty thirty five hours into the game. And I was, oh wow! Uh, I, I knew you had gotten it, but I I don't think we ever talked about how you enjoyed the game. Well, it's funny because I don't feel like I put that much time into it. Yeah. Um, but from everyone else I've talked to, and Tim and uh, Dustin, who's been on the show, and uh, yeah. Doug from Ten Minute Mega Retrocast, um, I've looked at Dustin their Dustin Newell. Newell. Yes, Dustin Newell. Dustin. Um, I mean, Dustin Newell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. Anyways, thirty-five hours is nothing in that game, and they've all put around two hundred hours to beat it. So, okay. um, yeah, it was fun. Um, I may get sucked back into it again one day, but I don't have, it never did give me that pressing. I have to keep going feeling that everyone talked about. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know where I'm at on it and maybe this update, um, will help entice me to do more. I don't know, but you lost that loving feeling. You lost that loving feeling. Soul Force was a game made by Protovision, Eric. It was. And guess what else they're making? And this is from Tim. This is from our UK correspondent, Tim. Protopad, also from Protovision, is an, a new 8-button joypad, friendly to 8-bit and 16-bit systems. Um, they also have talk of paddles and a new joystick, all based on donations to fund the project. Now, I don't know what all that all that means, but I always welcome new... I'm, I'm kind of a... I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker for controllers, like if they're really good. Um, I, I, I have a box in the garage that is a... T- well, it's a tub full of controllers of various types um so if this if this is you know something worth getting i will get it and another thing is then and i read this because after tim had sent this i had gone and done a little research this was a couple weeks ago so i haven't there it's going there's going to be a sam's journey version of this where the buttons will do different things like change your outfit or there's a jump button now so they're going to recode a version of J- Sam's journey for this pro- protopad, which um, like, la- you know, last month I told you I was going on kind of a Sam's Sam's uh, journey journey. Um, yeah. And I have been, I'm still play it. I, 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 when I have time, I boot it up and I play a level or two. If they come out with a version that supports this controller and this controller only, I might get this controller. I mean, the game's that good. So, um, it's interesting. Yeah, you have to check out the the web's page there. Um, they have all these different funding goals, including the the version of Sam Journey you talked about. Yeah, um, I this is something that I will see how it turns out and make my opinion. But just kind of looking at their the way they've displayed it, uh, the, yeah. the crowdfunding ends in twelve days. By the way, so about ten days once the, once this airs, uh, it looks like they are just taking a Super Nintendo plat- pad and just like rerouting buttons i i 
it doesn't I want to see the final product because right now it just looks like a bunch of yeah they only have a sketch of it they don't have an actual you know there's not a real prototype out there that you can look at that at least on this web page we're looking at um I, and that, that that to me is okay I mean I, I your your explanation there is perfectly legit my thing is that there there aren't many C64 games designed for multi buttons. Yeah. So if if a controller comes out that sparks that interest and a bunch of games start coming out that support multi button, you know, uh controller, I think that's something to think about. That would be pretty neat. I mean, can you imagine if the lion's share of games every year start coming out and they support four or six buttons? I mean, that would be insane. Yeah, I mean, it'd be it'd be cool to have. I mean, I would assume this would work with your my Amiga as well, and hopefully that could would be able to use uh, two button support. And it um, says it would. It says that they would support other eight and sixteen bit machines. Yeah, and I don't know. I just it seems honestly, I just I, I, ProDivision does good work and they have good stuff, so I, yeah. no reason for me to doubt them. But when it says stuff like key features of the ProPad, well, it has a directional control pad plus eight buttons. Well. Yeah, it's got eight buttons. We're not going to... What game's going to use more than two? Um, and it's just all that's telling me is that we've taken a Super Nintendo pad and we've put a DB9 on the other side. Right. And I'm not seeing I'm not seeing the uh, the huge catch here, but I'm sure they will find a way to sucker me into buying it. <laughs> <laughs> so I am hopeful for that. Um, now, this is an interesting one. We This is not news for us, per se. Okay. Um, I mean, it's news to you and I, I think, but the world does know about this. So there was a, a product released, and it's just starting to come to fruition on Kickstarter called the Warrior 64. I have heard about this. I heard about it on uh, the, what, the the podcast we were just talking about, uh, This Week in Retro. This Week in Retro, exactly. Um, yeah. And I, in fact, uh, but you know what? I've never seen a picture of it, and I see the picture of it right here. <laughs> so, I, so they actually, well, everyone has their own opinions about stuff. Sure. Um, but basically, this thing did co- or is coming out, um, and the big thing—the only person that they've really made a bit, big uh, bl- um, has has made a big review on it yet—is Metal Jesus Rocks. Yes, uh, everyone knows who? who that is in the retro community. Should we um, spoiler alert? <laughs> I mean, yeah, he basically blasted it, but I don't know. He kind of focused on one aspect, and I guess the big thing for this console. Mm-hmm. Um, well, first of all, it's a it is a kit, or else you can buy it complete. Um, and essentially what you're getting is a new Nintendo 64 shell that you can put your Nintendo 64 motherboard in. Right. Um, it gives us this really kind of edgy green Xbox, or else there's a smoke gray one. I think there's a couple other colors as well. Yeah. Um, and then it gives you a controller, which they don't give a lot of details about, but it looks very much like the Hyperkin uh, controller that I actually had ordered but never came in. Yeah. Um, which I think is a cool controller. It looks a lot better than the original one. And mm-hmm. then it has a bunch of things you can attach to the board to kind of upgrade the board, including uh, having HDMI out, HDMI out through the back, and it gives a better picture. Now, I guess the big thing he, uh, Metal Jesus, kept focusing on is they claimed it had this really superior uh, ultra HDMI uh, picture that this one cable that costs like 150 bucks um, provides, and it doesn't. So if they promised that and that didn't show up, I can understand how you'd be upset. But mm-hmm. given what it is for a hundred bucks um, to get this kit or one hundred fifty with the with the N sixty four board already in it, you're basically getting a brand new Nintendo sixty four with HDMI out, some other upgrades, and a brand new controller. It doesn't seem terrible. I mean, 
No, the price doesn't seem terrible at all. And and uh, like I said, I mean, if Nintendo 64, any any other controller is welcome to me. So that alone is a, a large chunk of the cost, and I think that's worth it. Um, Nintendo 64 was never a very attractive um, console to me to begin with. So I think the case is kind of neat. I mean, I'd never seen a picture of it before, but those guys were, were explaining that it was very angular and... Um, it is. I don't think it's bad looking. No, I don't think looking at. It, I don't think it's bad looking at all. Um, and it's translucent, and I, I know that's a big kind of feature that people really enjoy. Um, no, for the price, I mean, what is it like a hundred bucks? It's a hundred bucks uh, as a kit where you put your own Nintendo sixty four board in, it, yeah. or one hundred and fifty. Yeah, I, I know one of the a... complaint was that they were kind of harvesting N sixty four motherboards, like. If you buy the one fifty dollar version, yes, yeah, which to me is like there's fifty bazillion of these out in the world that you know they were sit for a while they were just sitting in you know like somebody's warehouse like you know you know what I mean it wasn't hard yeah. to find a nintendo sixty four so even that doesn't bother me because to, to be honest with you, the case you're just taking the motherboard out and you're reusing it, you're just basically tossing the case. If you toss um, it, I mean, you and I would put it in a bucket. <laughs> I would. I'd put it out in the garage. You're right. I'd, you're 100%. I have a Commodore 64 cases out in my garage that I'm not going to throw away. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't I don't have a, any kind of problem with this at all. Um, in fact, another thing it does it, is it, they say it supports Japanese cartridges and U.S. cartridges, where the difference is there's a lockout on the U.S. cartridge uh, in the actual physical plastic that you typically have to cut out with a Dremel. Yeah. So if anything, you're saving a case. All right. That's why I'm looking at it because mine has been dremeled. I'm not going to lie. I mine also <laughs> supports both, but that's because I took that chunk of plastic out both sides. Yeah. Um. Anyways, thought it was interesting. Worth talking about. I I, I, I got to be if I have to bottom line st- projects like this, I love it. Just m- m- let's keep doing projects like this, and maybe it, it's not to your taste, but. The more we encourage stuff like that, the more cool kind of neat stuff we're going to get in the future. So positivity, Eric's going to say, give it the big thumbs up. I like it, Eric. What does yep. positivity Tim have to say about the uh, Terra Onion mode? Yeah, mode from Terra Onion. It gets a new firmware update. We've talked about the the mode before from Terra Onion. Um, it, but this new firmware will now support PlayStation 1 with the PSX accessory kit. Orders before the end of December for a mode will get the free kit. Um, kind of neat. I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, that's the new that that's the news about this device. I, if I remember right, wasn't the mode pretty expensive? It was yeah, like two hundred plus bucks, and it like replaces the um, uh, it basically becomes like a hard drive inside of your Saturn or your Dreamcast, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and I uh, so. but now the PlayStation as well. Um, and it's cool that it can do all those devices, but the thing is, once you put it in one of them, it's done. I mean, that's what it is, unless you physically want to take your, apart your device every time and put it in the other ones. So if you're going to put this in your PS1, your Dreamcast, your Saturn, you're going to have to spend uh, 600 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, and I, and I get that. Um, I think this thing is really neat, though, because I did read through there. The compatibility is is off the charts. It's It's... It's a pretty neat little device, but you're right. It's very pricey. But now that it supports PlayStation 1, that's pretty cool. If if you don't have to do a, a hardcore mod on your PS1, um, this might be worth it. 
The Game Gear Micro is shipping, Eric. I did not know that. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray! All the, all the different colors? Oh. Uh, yeah, I guess oh. all the different colors are shipping to Japan, and they're tiny and unusable, and we've talked about that in the past. I just thought we'd mention that they're shipping. But also, that Dragonborn is a new game coming out for the Game Boy. <laughs> um, you can get uh, pre-orders if you uh, go ahead and hop on their link that you can see in our show notes now. Um, this looks I like haven't a- heard about this. Yeah, I kind of actually just found out about this uh, today. So this okay. is a uh, legit, you know, comes in a box and anything from a company called uh, uh, Spacebot Interactive. But it comes in this very um, Game Boy-looking box. Yeah. Except instead of Game Boy, it says Spacebot on the side. Got this okay. cool dragon eye on the front. And uh, I've looked at the gameplay. Um, of course, I'm not finding any of the gameplay on the website I just pulled up. Um but it's a it's a pretty cool looking uh, almost you know it's got Final Fantasy turn based type um, battles, but okay. a really cool top down world map. You can tell there's a lot of story in here and uh, says more than six hours of gameplay, dozens of enemies, weapon and armor upgrades. Um, six hours is about uh, for you and me. That's about our 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 time span with a lot of games. So that's perfect uh, for a handheld RPG. That's about right. Um, I don't know. It looks really cool. Looks like a solid old school RPG. Yeah. So is the only way you can buy this like physical? Do you know? I mean, is it just you just buy the physical cartridge, or can you download a ROM so that we can just play them on our ten thousand devices that we have that play Game Boy? I think ROMs? at this point it is. Uh, it it's funny. I, a lot of systems I've noticed there's certain systems where you can only buy physical media, and yeah. even when they go out of sale, they never provide the ROM. Um, That's interesting, yeah. And it's frustrating because there are certain systems I really want to try a bunch of stuff, and I'll buy digital downloads. Um, but, um, for example, I believe the ColecoVision is one of those. Right. Yeah. Where everything comes out physical, but you can't buy digital downloads to use on, you know, any sort of SD card solution. Yeah. And Game and Boy is kind they of... Don't want to, they don't want to pirate it, but it's going to get pirated anyway. Someone's going to dump the ROMs, and then it's going to be available. So yeah, I'd, rather I'd, give, I'd rather give the author the some money for a price-reduced digital version that you can just... They don't have... They can save their plastic for the for the cartridge, but... Yeah. So this is 54 bucks, and like you said, if, if I they offered this for, like, you know, $10 digital download, I'd probably give it a shot. Yeah. But, anyway. It, it looks cool. Um, another Game Boy item of note is another rpg coming out on the game boy color whoa um and this one is called i don't know how to spell this korea or how to say it korea korea i think that's right korea and the sunken city yep absolutely um and this one let me pull up the here's the first look actually no the demo frustrates me so the demo and this is what a lot of modern games do too they don't show you the gameplay they show you like story cutscenes only Mm mm-hmm so this is just kind of showing you, actually, right now I'm looking at an ad. Um, <laughs> but my video will begin in two seconds. Here it goes. And they're just showing the kind of these anime cutscenes of the storyboards. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. This is just like watching a cartoon or something. Yeah, that's pretty much what, what it... What, here you go. There's gameplay. Yeah. So oh, that looks of, pretty good. But it is a uh, Game Boy Color. So not Game Boy Advance, but Game Boy Color, which you don't see a lot of those games available. Yep. And it's this, like, side-scrolling RPG, kind of like Zelda 2 kind of a thing. Yep. Um, you know? A little no. bit of a platformer action. Um, it, it looks good. Yeah. 
And uh, I think that is also available coming up, well, going to be available on uh, physical only at this point. So, okay. Similar situation wow. there. So, you know, the people that made the Game Boy Color, that's Nintendo. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yes, yes. And, uh, guess what? What, Eric? The Nintendo Switch has a new firmware update, 11.0.0. What is that going to get me? So, one, now, I haven't, I, I did flash mine, but I haven't had time to look at all the nooks and crannies of this firmware update. But the one of the big ones is it's now much easier to extract video and, um, screenshot data. So you could be in the game and you can hit the actual, you know, screenshot button that is on the, on the switch. Okay. And instead of having to like go through a bunch of steps and, and nonsense to get that data off, there is some easier way to do that. That's the promise. Now I haven't delved into that, so I don't know how it works, but, um, I'm looking forward to that. Cause I think it would be neat to, while you're playing, like, cause there've been times when I'm like, Oh man, I wish I could show this to Cody, but like I don't, I can't grab my phone fast enough to take a picture because the screen's gotcha. about to to go away. I just want to hit a button and then have some easy way. And the the brief reading I did was that you can somehow scan a QR code, so you can go in and like hit the screenshot button. It shows you a QR code or something like that. You use your phone to do a scan the QR code and it shows you the picture you just took and you can just download it and send it right away. Um. Yeah. I think that's that's going to be streamline a lot of stuff. I think that's going to be neat. And then another thing I heard was they they've kind of redone the way cloud saves are, so that okay. if you log into a different switch, um, your cloud saves can follow you wherever. Oh, you Oh, that's go. really nice. Yeah, so there's no more like save. You know, your saves are stuck on this switch, and there's no way to really move them easily. Now you can just log into a different one and you can get access to your save states um, in the cloud. So so I actually had mine update today and I did notice one thing is that there is now a new icon on the home screen that's called Nintendo Online. And you and I You're both right. pay for that every yep. year. So um, kind of a new hub and hopefully it'll give you more features like being able to find people in a waiting room, fingers like crossed. lobby area. Yeah, that's what I've always hoped. Uh, like a better chat and lobby area. So I'm hoping that is the case, but I haven't really been able to dig into it, but yeah. um, that would be cool. Uh, Nintendo also teamed up with Universal Studios to pa- Japan mm-hmm. uh, to create Super Nintendo World, which uh, is now slated to open February 4th, 2021, assuming apparently that things can open at that point. Yeah, it um, doesn't sound, it doesn't, it's not promising. <laughs> but if you look at this place, I mean, they pretty much have it built. Um in yeah. fact, I'll play the little video here so you and I can watch it. But, uh, I mean, it looks... It's one of these things where you see still shots of it and you think it's a video game. But that's it. I mean, that's a real picture of it. That's, that's I mean, the real it's, place. It's that's crazy. pretty amazing. Yeah. It looks like like the Super Mario World overmap. Um, you can see some of the rides going there. Um, I don't know. You can go online and look more detail about some of the attractions. There's a... Mario Kart Koopa's Challenge, where you race Mario Karts, obviously. Uh, Yoshi's Adventure, which is kind of a slower thing where you sit inside of these little colored Yoshis and go through. Um, you go on a treasure hunt, apparently. You use the captain's map to find three mysterious eggs. Um, and then it looks like there's another one. Power-up band key challenges. So I guess you put these bands on and uh, go through the world and try to collect keys. I don't know. But super cool. I mean, it looks really fun. Yeah, and that's in Japan, right? That is in Japan, February 4th, apparently. 
Really cool. Um, another cool thing that has been announced was they are doing a reimagining or remake a new a new version of Perfect Dark, which is a classic yeah. Nintendo game. Yeah, and I I played Perfect Dark for a little while. I remember I played it at a when I worked at that when I worked at Prima Games. Um, the guys had that they were writing a strategy guide for Perfect Dark, and I played it a lot at work. Yeah, so I mean, it looks like a really cool uh, first-person shooter type of game. Again, the the trailer never looks like actual gameplay, so you can never quite tell how it's how it's working. But the original game was a first-person shooter, so hopefully they they stuck that way. Now, what's yeah. interesting is the original Perfect Dark was a game. Um, was it by Rare? I believe that sounds right. Um, I don't know, but it sounds right. And it was a Nintendo sixty-four exclusive. <clears throat> yes, uh, it was. As was Perfect Dark Zero, I believe. Mm-hmm. And this new game is now um, coming out on the Xbox. I believe right it is a, a Microsoft exclusive to begin with. Yeah. Um, but Rare, if it is Rare, they've had a a lot of Microsoft um, interaction in the last few years, so that would make some sense. Yeah. Very cool, cool. concept there. And uh, yet another new game I wanted to mention. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's what we're here for. Right. Well, I, we, keep, we keep bringing up the news, Eric. That's um, right. I believe it is coming out on the Switch, and it is a reimagined Ghost and Goblins. Wow. Um, actually, I think it's a whole new game, but it's called Ghost and Goblins Resurrection for the Nintendo Switch. And as you could imagine, it is Ghost and Goblins Goblins gameplay, hard as nails. Oh, yeah. But it's absolutely gorgeous. It looks beautiful. Yeah, I mean, you're showing screenshots right now. I mean, the graphics look amazing. And yeah, I mean... The, the thing about Ghosts and Goblins, of course, is it is so difficult. I mean, I, I, I have a hard time. Like, I love the game, and I'll, I'll go back to it all the time, but I only play play it for about 20 minutes because I can't, I can't progress any further. It's, it's a tough game. Um, well, the way so I imagine you... this is, first of all, available February 25th, 2021. The way okay. I imagine this working is because it's going to be a mod, you know, modern audience's Mm-hmm. Is it'll have the same gameplay, but I think there'll be like permanent saves all along it, so you just kind of work your way through the game rather that than that would be that would be handy. Yeah, rather than like the arcade or even the arcade ports where you just go back to the beginning every time. Um, so I think this would be almost play like a platformer where it's almost like checkpoint. Can you get to the next yeah. one? Cool, you made it. Next checkpoint, and that would make it really fun. One peripheral they could come out for with this game is that could save you a lot of time is just a peripheral that attaches to the controller that just kicks you in the nuts and gets it over with. <laughs> like, you're like, just playing, and you're like, all right, just do it. And it kicks you in the nuts, and you put the controller in, and you walk away. <laughs> that would save you some game playing time. I like it. I got that. patent that. I'm sure there's an actual Japanese arcade machine that does that. <laughs> that just sounds no, like... No. <laughs> I could actually see that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Like, put your leg here and here, otherwise the game won't play. But now that yeah. we know your legs are there, bonk. Um <laughs> Yeah. Do you want easy, do you want medium, or do you want squashed? Um, exactly. Wow. Uh, this is one that was kind of written in and or uh, social media in by one of our listeners, Dustin Newell. Oh. Um, he actually just Newell. sent me a meme, but uh, I thought it would it'd be news. Uh, and it was quite funny. And it simply said... Um, hey, remember that old system or the old retro system, the Xbox 360? And there was another guy being like, dude, that's not retro. I don't know what you're talking about. And then the date it was released, November 22nd, 2005. It is 15 years old, Eric. Is that retro? 
That, that is retro. And, and here's the thing. Here, here's the deal. Like the Xbox 360 kind of holds a really cool place in my heart because it was the first console that I got like at launch. Like I got it the first week it came out and I was so excited to, to get it. And I don't remember the details of how I got it, but I, I was able to get it the first week, if not the first day. And I bought my, um, my, you know, the game pass you buy on there, you, you buy Xbox live, you buy it. It's a subscription allows you to play the multiplayer games. Right. Yeah. I kept that. I have kept that active for since that launch. So now when you look at my Xbox profile, it says, it says 15 in there. Like it shows you the, I have the 15 year badge in there. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. And it, 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 I, I, at one point, I owned two Xbox 360s because I sent one back for repair, and they sent it back to me repaired, but they sent me another one, too. So, oh, wow. Because they, they, they were like, oh, this is out of warranty, and they gave me a deal on a refurbished one, and I did it. But then they said, okay, we're going to honor the warranty, and they fixed it anyway. <laughs> it was a long story, but I had two of them for a while, and I, I love that system. I, I actually... If I had to look back in modern modern ish consoles, it's probably one of my favorite. It, it, it is my favorite console. Wow, yeah, wow, high praise, high praise. And then the last thing, did you want to mention this one because I know you sure. uh, you had kind of pointed me out on it as well. Yeah, so there was a guy that uh, was talking to us on Twitter. I think his name's Adam. I, I, I know that's horrible of me, but I, my memory is really bad. But his name's Adam, and he has a podcast now called Retro Gaming Bygones. And so far, he has two episodes out. One just what one just dropped. I'm using the terminology of the kids. Beow. One just dropped. Um, and it's looking like it's shaping up to be a really good podcast. I mean, he's he's uh, he's he took a long time. He said I think he said it was two years in the making. Like he's just kind of like what you and me did. Like we took we so were long like to, five years in the making before we finally it, just said you know, exactly. rather than worry about details, let's lock ourselves in a room with some mics and see what happens. Yep. And he's doing a good job because I will say it is much more challenging to do a podcast by yourself, oh, like sure. Robo Flack Hera does with Sprite Castle, than to have a partner or partners to do a podcast because then you can just kind of talk and bounce stuff off of each other. Um, but he's off to a great start. I've listened to both episodes. They're both really good. And it is hosted on Anchor, so just look it up. Retro Gaming Bygones. So I've, I've listened to this as well, and he is a listener of ours, and he said um, uh, he mentioned ourselves and uh, and Sprite Castle as being yep. a couple of his influences, which makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside, Eric. We're, we're influencers. Um, uh, I, <laughs> I agree. Um, but what I, well, the reason I wanted to point that out is not to pat my own back, um, although I'll do that too. But uh, it is cool because I was listening to it, and I know yeah. that if you listen to the same podcast I do, uh, I know you listen to some of them, but not all of them, you'll notice a lot of the things I do on the show are, you know, very much um, uh, flattery from other podcasts, you know, basically uh, doing things they do. Mm-hmm. And you can totally tell what parts of the show he really picked up from listening to Flack. Yeah. And and us as well with some of the segments. Um, yeah. And I love how he picked up uh, kind of uh, Flack's flair for storytelling and he'll just right. go on a tangent and talk about some memory from when he was a kid for five minutes and he does it naturally and uh so good good shout out um so yeah feel free to check that out and uh also if his name is adam because 
I just know him by Retro Gaming Bygones. Thanks for yeah. listening, and we will do the same, my friend. Awesome. Eric, that is the end of the news, uh, which means you and I are going to start cracking open some new beers, uh, and while the listeners wait for us to get our beers out, they can listen yeah. to Eric's take and Tea Time with Tim, and we'll be right back for Six Good Games Christmas Edition. December. I wanted to wish everybody out there a happy holiday, whatever holiday you celebrate. Uh, I wanted to talk about my memories of Christmas. Uh, these memories always tend to go hand in hand with gaming because I was really into games as a kid and a lot of my presents were about games. So I wanted to talk about three memories that stand out the most to me. The first one is my uh, favorite Christmas holiday story related to gaming because it kind of has a sweet side to it as well as a sour side. And I think I might have mentioned it on the show once or maybe twice, but I never really went into it and what it meant to me. But I uh, want to go into it now. It is about the game Gunship on the Commodore 64. So Gunship on the Commodore 64 was a game that came out in 1986. Uh, It was published by Microprose. It was a helicopter simulator, a simulator of the Apache. Uh, I had been reading articles on this in gaming magazines and really, really wanted this. So I asked for it for Christmas. I believe it was Christmas of 1986, I believe. Uh, this, this, you know, this game came out on a lot of different platforms. Um, Amiga, Amstrad CPC, Atari ST, uh, came out on DOS, uh, just a a ton. Uh, There, there are many more. Um, it, it, it was a very highly rated game and I, I would just read these magazine articles and just drool about them because that was something I was really into was flight simulators and reading about airplanes and helicopters and things like that. So I asked for it. And waited, and sure enough, uh, Christmas morning, I get up and I open my presents, and boom, there's Gunship, and I I was thrilled. I opened it, and uh, I looked inside, and there was this big, thick manual um, that showed all, like, uh, not only how to play the game, but showed all the enemy equipment, like tanks and helicopters and um, all of the the ally stuff, and and, um, it was just amazing. I... it was everything I could ask for. And so in the box also was a uh, keyboard template, which is something I sorely miss these days on video games. They were templates you could put over the keyboard so that you could see which keys to hit and uh, very easily. So anyway, I open it. I am so excited to play this game. Uh, so when, when we're all said and done and we've all opened our presents, I run into my room to turn on, to turn on my, my, um, Commodore 64, and the power supply died just right then and there. So I 
was in a panic mode and luckily my dad was an electrician so he came in and he got his uh his uh voltmeter out and checked it and said it was a bad power supply so i had to not only save up the money but then had to try to get a ride to go buy a new power supply and that took me a couple of weeks maybe three or four weeks because i do i do have vivid memories of going to school and carrying the manual with me and reading them in class um, because, I, I mean, I memorized that manual. Uh, so that was the sweet part of the, the just my memories of this is I got so much more out of the game than just playing it. Uh, it was pretty amazing. So anyway, I using some money I, I got for that Christmas plus money that I earned, I eventually did save up enough for a power supply and go and get it and used it and Commodore 64 was fixed and had just many, many, many months of enjoyment out of that game. I have a childhood friend named Jesse that I still am in touch with today. And, but he would come over and one of us would be the co-pilot by using the keyboard and doing the controls. The other one would be the pilot with the joystick and we would get so immersed in that game that hours and hours would go by. I mean, if I had to think about what game in my history I spent the most time playing, it would have to be that one or Ultima 4 or something like that because I I spent so much time and then it was such a beautiful game. So anyway, those that's my memory of Gunship. My next great Christmas memory was somewhere probably 1980 or 1981. And it was when we, my sister and I, because this was a shared present, opened a gift. And it was the Milton Bradley Microvision. Uh, This was a console's handheld system that came out in 1979. I think I read somewhere it might have been the very first handheld gaming system. I could be totally wrong on that. Um, But it was pretty unique. Tired of doing the same old thing every night? Well, light up those nights with Microvision, Milton Bradley's great new handheld electronic game system. Blockbuster, one of the seven great game cartridges available, comes with a Microvision unit. Switch cartridges to connect four. It's a real mind tease. And for fast action, there's bowling or hitting a jackpot in data slots. So for new excitement, get Microvision, the programmable game system from MB Electronics. So my memories of this are a little vague because it was so long ago, but I do remember seeing this system in a store and it was in the kind of bargain bin because I guess it had stopped selling well. So this thing, when it came out, the retail price on it was $49.99. And the reason is because the cartridges, I mean, the reason that was so cheap is because which wasn't really cheap in 1980, but, you know, handheld systems kind of got a lot more expensive after that. The chips for the system were not in the system itself. The chips for the system were on each and every cartridge. So the whole, the even the processor was on the cartridges. So the cartridges were a little more expensive. Um, the Microvision only came out, if I remember right, with, um, I think it was like 12 games. Maybe 13, I don't remember. Um, I think it was 12 official released games. And 
I can only imagine one of the reasons is is because the cartridges were very expensive to manufacture because they had not only the ROM for the game, but the entire processor on the cartridge. Now, if you think about this system, the Microvision was... Imagine like a... I do... I do um, implore you to go online and look this up because it is a very unique piece of history by Milton Bradley. It it looks like a, almost like a remote control for a TV, but it's much larger. Um, But the whole faceplate comes off of it. And that is the game cartridge. The faceplate itself contains all the controls, the buttons that you press. Basically the system just had like an L a black and white LCD, very basic LCD. And there were cutouts for the buttons that you would use built into the cartridge that would press on a keypad underneath the cartridge. Um, So every game had unique controls. um, And then there was a knob on the bottom. I think it was a rotary dial. Um, When we got it, we got three games with it. One was uh, Breakout. I, for sure, I think it was Breakout. Or, you know, the Breakout was called Blockbuster. I'm sorry. Blockbuster, we got Bowling, and we got Connect 4. And then in the coming months, we would get little cartridges as we found them on blowout sales here and there. We eventually had five or six cartridges in total. I don't remember what the other two were. I think one was Star Trek uh, Phaser Strike. Um, and I think one, another one was Cosmic Hunter. Um, my, I, I gotta tell you, I mean, if you, if you look up a video on this or, or see anything, it is a very, very rudimentary video game, but my sister and I, 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 I have great memories of me and my sister sitting down playing this and it was a blast. We had so much fun, so much so that we we ended up wearing the game out because the problem is while the cartridges would be okay the 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 buttons for the controls underneath were like this kind of keypad area they would easily split in the the plastic would split from continuous use and it would cause damage to the buttons and we got to the point where you had to press so hard to get the button to activate or any of the buttons that we just couldn't really play it well anymore. We really got, though, our time out of that. I mean, we played it for so long. Nowadays, if you do find them on the secondary markets, um, the screens, these were very, very early and cheap LCD screens. And almost all of them suffer from something called screen rot on LCD, where uh, the liquid inside the LCD starts to cover the entire screen it's almost impossible nowadays to find any of these systems where the screen is still working because even if you don't use it, they still suffer from that screen rot and the keypads themselves are usually in horrible shape. So this is unfortunately one of those systems where if you have nostalgia for it, the best thing to do is to watch videos of, of gameplay or emulate it. it. It's almost impossible to find these. I've tried. My third great memory, if you don't recognize the sound effects, is from a game called River Raid, which I got on a Christmas, I think it was probably around 1983, 1984. It was for the Atari 5200, my version. There was a version that came out before that on the Atari 2600. And 
this was one of my favorite games uh, in my early childhood life. Uh, I I played this for hours upon hours, and I remember the Christmas. I remember opening it and seeing the box, and and River Raid, and then opening it and. As soon as everyone put their presents away, I just turned on the TV, popped this in the Atari 5200, and just played it for the rest of Christmas Day. Uh, I played this so much that I even have great memories of, again, playing with my sister. My older sister was uh, someone who played a lot of these video games with me, but we would just play... It was, you could play in a two-player mode where you each took turns, couldn't play at the same time, but we would play that thing for hours and hours and hours. And eventually, I remember the first time I broke 40,000 points, my sister took a Polaroid of the screen, and you could send it into Activision to get uh, what was called, uh, I think they were like adventurer patches. I forget the name of them, but they were patches that you could get from Activision that um, for any of their games that you achieved a specific score and then you sent a screenshot, which now, nowadays a screenshot screenshot, but back then it was literally taking a Polaroid of the TV screen and sending it in. And I got a letter from Activision, you know, congratulating me and got this patch. And I remember that it was an iron, it was a cloth patch, but you could iron it on, um, you could use an iron to put it on something, but I wanted it to be more permanent. So my, I remember my mom sewed it onto a baseball cap that I had. And um, I, I, I thought that was a really neat program that Activision had. And Activision had all of the great games in that era. Um, it was kind of, They were one of the very top publishers. But I got a lot of quality gameplay out of River Raid uh, with my family. So... And, you know, the Atari 5200 was one of my favorite systems, as I've mentioned on the show, even though it gets a lot of uh, negativity pointed towards it when you were a kid and that's all you had. Um, You know, it was it was good enough for me. I mean, I really enjoyed it. Anyway, those are my three top gaming memories of Christmas. Um, I do hope that you have a great holiday, whatever you celebrate, and that you Maybe uh, build some new Christmas memories. Thanks for listening. See you next month. Hey guys, how about we take a little break and check with our friend over the pond? That's right, it's Tea Time with Tim. Happy holidays, everyone, and welcome to this episode's Christmas special, Tea Time with Tim. This time we're going to be talking all about Christmas 1986, and we're going to be using, apart from my adult brain, the magazines Zap 64 and Crash from the December issues in 1986. So without further ado, it's over to me and let's have a flip through those pages of the magazines and set the scene of Christmas 1986. Back in 1986, top of most kids' letters to Santa was Lego, Transformers, Scalectrics and Masters of the Universe. However, for me the home microbug had well and truly bit All I wanted for Christmas was games-related stuff for my then-micro, the Commodore 64. 
At the time, I was lucky to be working in a computer shop on Saturdays, and in the last few weeks of Christmas, I believe we even opened up on a Sunday. As there was no internet back then, keeping up with all the games news was all about the magazines. There were very few TV shows dedicated to computers, and even if they were, these were stuffy affairs by the BBC, mostly talking about computers and business behind them, not about what the best-selling game or anything about new games coming up. So our gaming news fix would often be delivered between the colourful and fun pages of gaming magazines. Top of the class were arguably Crash for the ZX Spectrum and Zap64 for the Commodore 64 owners. There were magazines like Personal Computing Weekly, however, brand loyalty brought you mostly to the single format magazines and never the twain shall meet. If you owned a ZX Spectrum, Crash or your Sinclair were normally your choice. If you were a Commodore 64 owner, the normal choice was Zap64. There was your Commodore, but it was never on par with Zap64 in my humble opinion. So, on to setting the scene for Christmas 1986. Topping the music charts at the time for the week of Christmas was Reap Petite by Jackie Wilson. This was obviously a re-entry into the music charts from the original song in 1957. However, what made this unique, especially for this time, was that the video to it was a very funny clay animation representation of Jackie Wilson singing the song. Well worth a watch if you've not seen it before. Other songs of note in the chart for the 21st of December 1986 are Caravan of Love by the House Martins and one of my personal favourites, The Final Countdown by Europe. The most watched TV show in the UK for Christmas 1986 was a soap opera called EastEnders with 18.9 million views, only narrowly pipping the legendary Only Fools and Horses, the amazing comedy series starring David Jason as Del Boy. Here is the iconic theme tune to the TV show Only Fools and Horses. This cracked a total audience of 18.6 million viewers. Interestingly enough, the most watched programme of all time on Christmas Day in the UK is the film Crocodile Dundee, starring Paul Hogan as the lovable Mick Dundee. He trades the Australian outback for the streets of New York City. Michael J. Crocodile Dundee. Mick, give him your wallet. What for? 
He's got a knife. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's a knife. This grabbed a total audience of 21.77 million viewers. Amazing when you think the total population of the time in the UK was around 56 million. Back in the computer game shops and various retail stores that stock games, the best sellers of Christmas were battling it out between the pages of Crash and Zap64. If you're enjoying this episode of the Pixel Guiden podcast, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. Now on with the show. So let's have a quick look at the top 10 games according to Crash and Zap magazine in Christmas 1986. Starting with the Commodore 64 between the pages of Zap 64 magazine. In at number 10 is Slam Ball by Americana. This got a 96% rating. 9 is Cauldron 2 by Palace Software. This got a 94% rating. Number 8, The Amazing Shoot'em Up by Andrew Braybrook. Iridium by Hewson. This got 94%. At 7, Night Games by English Software. This got a 90% rating. In at number 6 is Parallax by Ocean. This was rated at 93%. And number 5, International Karate by System 3. This got a 91% rating. At 4 is Ghosts and Goblins by Elite. This got a 97% rating. At number 3 is Green Beret by Imagine at 93% rating. At number 2 it's Super Cycle by US Gold and this earned a 95% rating. And the number one game in December 1986 according to Zap Magazine was Leaderboard Golf by US Gold Access Software with a 97% rating. According to the Hotline Top 30 in Crash Magazine, the top 10 ZX Spectrum games were Number 10, Batman by Ocean In at 9 is Dynamite Dan 2 by Mirasoft At number 8, it's Light Force by FTL At number 7, it was Elite by Firebird At number 6 is Jack the Nipper by Gremlin Graphics at 5 is Quasitron by Hewson. At number 4 it's Commando by Elite. In at 3 is Bombjack by Elite. At number 2 is Paperboy by Elite. And the number 1 game on the ZX Spectrum according to Crash Magazine on December 1986 is Ghost and Goblins by Elite. So, as you can see, there was a big difference in the game charts between the two systems, with US Gold American-produced titles clearly leading the way with the Commodore 64, and the British software houses dominating the charts for the specy owners, with Elite Systems leading with the top four games, and taking the number one spot with Ghost and Goblins. Hold on a minute. I think that's quite enough of that Jingle Bells music now. That, funnily enough, is the only game to cross over the charts with number one on the Speccy and number four on the C64. In the reviews between the pages, the Spectrum games were faring much better than the Commodore 64 games reviewed in their respective issues. 
Top of the reviews in Crash magazine was Star Glider on the Spectrum, namely the 128K far superior version and arguably one of the best versions of the game on any system, even including the 16 bits. This achieves the highest praise for a game in Crash, a Crash Smash with a score of 97%. In Zap64, the reviews were not so great. However, there was a couple of standout games, one of these being The Bard's Tale getting a 94% and a Zap Sizzler. However, this being a disc game in the UK, this had a very limited audience. There was a tape version of it released, but would not play anywhere near as good as the disc version. Back in the mainstream reviews were Super Huey 2, a very well-known helicopter simulator by Cosme, and released in the UK by US Gold, and the amazing value game Flash Gordon, published by Mastertronic, on the Mastertronic added value range, at only $2.99, a real bargain. Both of these great titles narrowly missed out on earning the accolade of a Zap Sizzler. Just by getting 89% each, they missed out by 1%, which was a real shame, because they're both cracking games. On the cover of both magazines, you were enticed with the prospect to win over £9,000 in prizes. I would imagine some of this would be promotions from software houses, touting their games in competitions, and also from the significant hike in the cover price of the magazine for the Christmas editions. They would go up a whopping 95 pence from £1 to £1.95. I always saw this as a mark of the extra content in the Christmas editions. However, looking at them with slightly older eyes now, it's mainly down to the extra competitions they would run, and there would be a few extras inside, but mostly there were a look back at the year and what appeared in the previous editions. One of the best prizes that were available is the Gauntlet competition in Zap64. Now just imagine buying your magazine, tearing it open and getting to the page where you can enter the competition to win a Gauntlet arcade machine. Just imagine all that four-player goodness. Looking at the competition, you had to find 22 games in a word search. Looking all through the magazine, there's no sign of the word search, and it was actually printed in the previous month's edition of Zap64. So, if you'd have just bought this one, and not the previous month's, you wouldn't have been able to enter the competition. That edition of the magazine would have gone straight into the box of disappointment. Definitely not a Bobby Dazzler. Now, I was going to end this edition of Tea Time with Tim just there, but while researching for this episode of Tea Time with Tim... I was obviously flicking through the pages of a real copy of Crash magazine and looking at Star Glider, I thought, well, if it got that good a review, let's have a look at the game itself. So I took out my Spectrum 128 and found a copy of Star Glider as a tap file and loaded it up. Wow, this is just an awesome version of Star Glider. As I mentioned before, the game got great reviews in Crash. And rightly so, what a brilliant version this really is. So smooth and so well written for the Spectrum 128 at the time. Just unbelievable. If you've got five minutes, I would really recommend loading up an emulator. Or if you've got the real hardware, try the real thing. It's just amazing. As I've got the magazine, please indulge me for a few minutes. Sit back and let's just go through some of the criticisms or the reviews that they gave for the game at the time. 
First up, one of the comments. Starglider, without doubt, ranks among the best game to grace the Spectrum screens. The whole of the game is excellently done and its presentation and packaging has been executed in a most professional manner. The loading screen sets the player up for the game of the year on any computer. If you've seen the Atari ST Starglider, then you'll be amazed at the Spectrum version because they're so alike. I think they're better personally. The sound effects are extremely good and very effective. The number of frames on the animation is unbelievable. It's just so smooth and incredibly fast. Didn't I just say that? The options are vast and very useful. There's certainly a pot of gold at the end of the rainbird. So, they go on to write. Whiz, nyow, zoom, zap, zap, kapow, buda buda buda. This really is my kind of game. It combines fantastic shoot 'em up with a bit of brain work. From the word go, it is easy and totally enthralled in the world of Novilia. Especially if you need the 64-page novelette, if you can tear yourself away from the game. I can see myself playing this for weeks. Graphically, Starglider is the best vector graphics game to date. My only niggle is that in a game of this quality, it's a shame that no one's worked out a way of erasing objects and horizons that appear behind other objects. The sound is a bit disappointing. There are no tunes, but the effects are well used. If you're a fan of shoot-em-ups or vector graphics, then this is a must. I slightly disagree with that, because there is quite a nice AY sound chip generated tune on the title screen. Bit of an omission there from that particular criticism. So let's have a look at the scores. So for use of computer, they gave it 97%. For graphics, they gave it 95%. For playability, it was 96%. Getting started... Uh, not really sure what that one's about but anyway they gave it 94% addictive qualities 98% value for money 95 which is surprising because it was really expensive at the time uh, I think it was 14.99 and overall was 97% an absolutely fantastic version of Starglider and probably one of the top 128 titles you can get on the spectrum as in 128k that's a wrap for this christmas episode of tea time with tim looking back at christmas 1986 through the pages of zap and crash magazine hope you enjoyed it hope you all have happy holidays and a peaceful new year see you next time ho 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 oh joy all right eric and i are back here live we are digging around for beers yes the great sound. It's a delicious sound of digging in the cooler for beers. Of ice clinking against glass. And Eric, what have you provided for us for the second part of this episode? So, we both like Shiner Bach, which is by Spetzel Brewery in, from Texas, mm-hmm. from uh, Shiner, Texas. Uh, we're both big fans of that. So, when I saw this, I thought I'd get it. This is the Seasonal Shiner Holiday Cheer. And the description is ale brewed with peaches and pecans Whoa. and with natural flavor and caramel colors. So this is not like a take on Shiner Bach. This is something altogether different. This is not Shiner Bach. And this is completely different. And I, I don't want to, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but I mean, I've had this one. All right. um, so I want to see 
what you think of it. It is very dark. Uh, it has it a, a reddish tint to it. It's actually pretty. It's very pretty. Just give it a whiff. Give it a oh, whiff. Oh, the whiff is very... Um, it, it smells of stone fruit. Fancy way <laughs> of, of saying... <laughs> stone stone fruit. fruit. Yeah, like a peach. Yeah, or or an right, apricot. Right. Yeah. Do you say apricot or apricot? I say... Um, I say apricot. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Eric. That is the wrong answer. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Uh, game show coming up next episode. Uh, the can is really cool. It's very classic. It looks like an old beer can, actually. Um, it really does, yeah. White with a little with holiday a cheer to it. Red and green lettering, but very, uh, yeah, just classic, like 50s America. I like it. Uh, yeah. Cheers, Eric. Cheers. I have to make the noise here ourselves. There you go. Yeah. Dink. <laughs> the real question, Eric, is do I drink this in a uh, a wafty pint glass or do I drink it out of a Christmas boot? I don't know I what the correct... I would drink it out of... A, <laughs> I would drink, I'd do the pint glass I'll do time. the glass, yes. All right, I'm taking a sip. Yep, go ahead. So go ahead and pick a, rail, a, a scale for us, by the way, since this is a Christmassy... I'm going to pick the... I want to do this out of 45 Georgia peaches. Mm-hmm. In wintertime. In wintertime, yep. So this is supposedly, because I went on this bend, this uh, this binge where I went and bought a bunch of Christmas beers, and my wife picked out a ton of Christmas beers. Now, my history with Christmas beers uh-huh. is not good. I typically do not like winter. I don't like winter warmers or winter ales. It's a lot like I, a Halloween beer, just kind of bad luck. I don't like the little spices they put in it and, and, and this and that, but my wife picked three or four and they were all really good. Okay. Um, so now you like this I picked one. this one and, um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to leave it to you cause I want you to rate this first. Um, so out of 45 Georgia peaches, okay. what are you going to give this one? Uh, in winter time. Um, <laughs> it is, it is interesting. It is interesting. Um, it says it says right on the can here, a caramel color. I think they added this color because this doesn't look like something right. the brew process uh, would naturally create based on the now, flavor. Right, right up front, I can taste I can taste the peach flavor, and then if you let it kind of settle on the tongue, you can even you can even get the nutty the nutty part, the pecans. I'll be honest, up front I get the peach flavor, and it's not like yeah. it's not like hit over your head sweet. It's kind right. of a uh, f- the flavor without the sugar, if you will. Yeah. Um, now but let me then, ask you this: Do you like peaches? I do. Not particularly in my beer, but I do. I'm um, not a fan of peaches. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you chose the um, wrong beer. Right. I mean, well, I wanted to try it. I don't. I don't. I don't hate peaches. I just I don't buy them because I'm not a huge fan of the fruit, to be honest. Yeah, I got you. Um, but I mean, peach flavored things. So I just kind of avoid peach flavored things, to be honest. But I didn't want to try this one. It's very light and, and easy drinking, even I though mean, it's dark. I don't dark. want to influence your, your your vote, but I, I mean, I don't hate this beer. I it, it's okay, but it, I'm not going to be ranking it really high. But what do you think out of 45 Georgia peaches? Well, I still want to talk about it a little bit because it starts with sure, that please. peach flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very easy to drink though. It's not like heavy by any means, even though it's dark. Uh, no. but I'd say the peach flavor, like it, it, uh, fades away to almost a, um, acidity. Okay. If I want to say that, which I don't care for. 
Do you do you think it? I don't know how they do their brewing, but do you think they just took Shinerbach and just added some flavors and coloring to it? It doesn't taste like a Bach at all. It doesn't. I think right. it's too clear. So I think it's a whole different brew, right? Yeah, I think it's its own thing. Um, yeah. I don't care for it, Eric. <laughs> I don't care for it. So I'm a- what do you get? What you going to give it? Because I, I honestly, my wife and I had all the Christmas beers we picked. And we did picked a lot. This was my least favorite of them all. Well, I want to thank you for bringing that one to the show. You're, well, it was interesting. <laughs> Merry Christmas. It is, it is interesting, right? <laughs> it's interesting. I've never had anything like it. I'm going to give it a 28. 28 out of 45. Um, I'm going to give it a 25. Okay. 25 out of 45. So. All right. So I'm going to play our violin. <laughs> sorry shiner uh, i've literally had two of your beers and i've had many 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 of one of them and i'm only going to ever have one of these You're right exactly so when you see this in the store because it, it it lured me in i was like shiner that's the one can's of my favorite cool. beers yeah i was like shiner's one of my favorites so they can't do me wrong boom it, <laughs> it, they did me wrong they done you wrong they done you dirty yeah all right eric well i think it is time for us to go ahead and battle six Good games. Not battle them. Good games. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Talk about six good games. Perfect. Perfect. My bad. It's all good. Um, We are going to talk about six good Christmas games, whatever that means to you. Now, Tim threw out this idea. And it's always okay. been so on the nose. I don't think we've ever done six good Christmas games for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been so on the nose that I just kind of turned my head. But I think the real reason I did is because <clears throat> I can think of like Lemmings Christmas and Nights into Dreams Christmas. And outside of that, I can't think of any other Christmas games. Right. Nonetheless, good ones. So I was like, I'm going to have a hard time picking these. Did you have a hard time as well, Eric? I did, and I played a ton of Christmas themed games because, yeah, yeah, a lot of them, you know, a lot of the ones I was picking were tongue in cheek, kind of like Christmas E related, but I did want to pick one solid Christmas game, and I could not find one that I would call a good game. Now, <laughs> there was. There was a Lemmings one, but I honestly just thought that was too on the nose. Well, like, everyone knows that game. Yeah, so we like to pick games that maybe not everybody has heard of. And so, yes, the Lemmings Christmas game is great, Um, but I I didn't want to pick it. So I picked three games that make me think of Christmas or or something like it. So I had to get really loose on my interpretation of that. So let's jump into some games and, and figure them out. I'll save my most Christmassy game for last. How about that? Sounds good. Do you want to go first? Sure. I'll go first. My first game, and I'll slap you in the face if you tell me this isn't a Christmas game. (laughs) Or a Christmas movie. Exactly. Is Die Hard Arcade, or in Japan, known as Dynamite Deca. Now, was that on Dreamcast, or was that on PlayStation? This was arcade. I think there was a version on... The version I played it on was the Saturn. Um, that's was, right that's right i played the saturn version um but i did also play the arcade version because i wanted to compare them um but it turns out and i've played this in the past here and there but i i, I kind of went a little in depth on the saturn version i love it it's a fantastic little beat-em-up like 3d beat-em-up where the the bodies of the players are um 
are very p- kind of polygonal, very of the time of the PS1 era. Um, but it really basically is a beat em up and I loved it. I, I, I probably played this for two days straight. I, I kept putting quarters in it to try to get to the end. Um, oh, so it is are, a, it's still a quarter fed game, even on the uh, ports, huh? It is. Yeah, it is. But it's still, it still is a lot of fun and you can get really far on a single credit. Um, but you can pick up weapons in this game. You basically are going through the movie scenario and there are parts of it that aren't quite like the movie. Like you're fighting this kind of weird chick in that scene that you just saw, but it, 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 it kind of goes through the movie where you, when you start out, you're, you, you jump off the helicopter and the helicopter explodes and, and you're fighting people and you're running down hallways and you're kind of doing the whole diehard scenario, but it is a beat em up and you, you'll come up to two bosses and you start having to fight them. So it's kind of like this weird hybrid between a fighting game and, uh, and a beat em up and you, there's weapons. It, it, if you just don't take it seriously and you just play it for fun, it is a blast. And I, I really enjoyed my time playing that. I've heard this, this time game around. is crazy, bizarre and hilarious and fun and outlandish. Yes. With crazy weapons and ridiculous. Yeah, like, like watch him right here. He's going to pick up an aircraft, um, like a, a rocket launcher, like a air to air rocket launcher, <laughs> like in the middle of a hotel. Yeah, in the middle of the hotel, and he picks this up, and he, he's going to fire it across. Let me see if he grabs this. There he is. Watch it. <laughs> Boom. Oh, so, my gosh. It, th- this game is full of that kind of stuff where it's just a blast. And Badoom-tsh. Hold on. Where's my it, rim shot? <laughs> yeah, and it, 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 is a, it is at heart a quarter muncher, but when you're playing on the Saturn or, or, or a home machine or like a like – a, um, not JAMA, but what am I thinking? A MAME, yeah. like a MAME version – you know, the quarters are unlimited anyway. So you just want to, you can just kick back, keep feeding it and play through this game. Um, I, I, this is probably the most in this Christmas list, the, the longest one I played. Cause I just was really enjoying myself. It looks like a blast. And, uh, I don't mean that tongue in cheek because he was just shooting a rocket launcher. Um, yeah, you see him pick up that guy and swing him around. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna have, have to you, get. You, oh, now so he's now he's got this? an aerosol can. So I have heard about this that he has an aerosol can there, but you can yeah. also get a like a lighter and your aerosol can to like turn it into a flamethrower. <laughs> That's correct. Yep. Oh, I love it. Now you've never played this. You know what's funny? I owned a copy of the Japanese version of this game, which was called Dynamite Deca. Yep. Um. So I don't know if they didn't have the license or if it wasn't. You said this is actually the the Die Hard movie though plot. It um, is. So they must have had that in mind. I always thought they just posted die, the Die Hard theme over the top, but I guess that's not the correct. Yeah, and it's loosely based on it. I mean, there are sections in here. I mean, there wasn't a section where, like, as you can see right now, the fire <laughs> the fire truck spraying water at people. Um, so it, it takes it loosely, but it does go through a lot of the scenarios of the going through the building and this and that. So, Eric, I have a confession to make. What's that? I have yet to see this movie. What? I know. Are you serious? Maybe, and I, 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 many people like yourself consider it a Christmas movie, so maybe it's a new tradition I need to start right, like tonight. Yeah, you really should watch it. I mean, again, it's not gonna, it's not a like Schindler's List movie where you're gonna be like <laughs> crying and going, oh my God, this is the best movie I've ever seen. No, it, no, wait, it, wait. It, who, who watches a movie, cries and balls and says, this is a great movie? That's a bad time. Me. I think that's a terrible. 
Yeah, I don't care how me, quote unquote I, good the movie is. If I'm sad and crying, it's not a good movie to me. So right, and and the funny thing is, so this is people have argued whether this is a Christmas movie or not. But I mean, he the reason he goes to this building is to go to a Christmas party that his wife, because his wife works in the building, he's going to a Christmas party. Everything is decorated in Christmas stuff. Um, he wouldn't be there if it wasn't Christmas. So yeah. it's a Christmas movie. So if this it's is a not a Christmas movie. movie, then Home Alone's not a Christmas movie. Exactly. Exactly. Hot so, take. Hot take. Exactly. But anyway, that's my first choice. What's your first choice? I love that choice. That is a great choice. Uh, <laughs> my first choice is a game I just found out about, and uh, it is Christmas uh, related because it's in winter. <laughs> Perfect. That's the best I got, Eric. I really struggled finding. I even thought about doing Jazz Jackrabbit, the Christmas version. Yeah. Um, but uh, I've talked about that on the show before. Um, anyways, this honestly is a game I just found out about, and I can't believe I end up spending hours playing this game. Um, now you tweet you tweeted out about this game, and I I didn't load it up because I wanted to kind of have it fresh. I've never played this game; I've never even heard of it. Yeah, I'm trying to get the uh, video up here is, so we could so we is could this see it. only on is this on MSX one? So this was this is uh, yeah MSX one. Of course, I play it on my MSX two, but it's MSX one. Right. Yeah. Um, it was a game that was put into the 2020 MSX Dev Competition. Oh, so it's a brand new game. It is a brand new game. Okay. Um, it is called Relevos or Relevos Snowboarding. A lot of MSX games, it's really big in um, Spain, MSX. So a lot of programmers that are doing things are in Spain. Yeah. Um, I believe this one is as well. Um, and it is created by, I'm trying to find the name here. I wish I had that information available. I should have had that information available. Um well, it's created by a, a group of, of guys that program video games called Relevo or Relevo, Relevo Video Games. And they released yeah. a number of games recently. Um, and it is kind of an homage to not only snowboarding games, but also uh, another really popular Konami title in the past that was called... Um, what's the one with the penguin? I'm totally blanking on the name of it right now. It wasn't like a Chips or... Um, no, that was... Um... I, I know, I know. I can see, I can picture the one you're talking about, but I don't remember. Well, it's, and so it's funny. I, I really need to find that, otherwise we can't talk about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Antarctic, uh, Antarctic Adventure. Okay. Um, but it's funny because that game was about penguins and things popping out of the ice, and I never found a lot of interest in it. Mm-hmm. But this game is similar in its point of view, and they throw a snowboard in it, and I can't get enough of this game. It is almost like, imagine um, a game like OutRun, where you're going towards the horizon, but everything's snowy and wintry. You've got, you know, essentially a track, but it's like a groomed path of snow that you can go back and forth on. And of course, outside of that is like rough snow with trees in it. And uh, you can pick your snowboarder that has different types of speed uh, control or jump ability. Um, You can pick your stance, regular or goofy. I always rode my skateboard goofy, so I pick goofy. Um, and you can change your, your board type, what color your clothes are. And then you go down this path, and it's very... Um, let see if I can get a video so you can watch along with me. Um, but it's very straightforward, but it, it is a blast. In fact, I enjoy this way more than... Uh, Tim's going to kill me, than SSX Tricky, which we just... Which is like one of the best <laughs> snowboarding games ever made. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, but I just loved it. Um, I'm gonna have to try this because I, I, I would. Lo- I always, I'm always looking for good MSX games to play. And the the funny thing is the the, the screenshot you just showed me. It looks like a NES game. I mean, <laughs> like it, a Nintendo Entertainment System. Yeah, like the well, menu and everything in the well, beginning. Well, keep in mind the MSX was that Japanese, and they have a similar chip. Like there's, it's there's a lot of NES influence. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you can see here's level one. You basically have to race. It's racing essentially. Um, and you go, you can turn left or right, um, as the, as the path turns that direction, there are obstacles in the way, of course, you have to dodge, but then the key thing on this game is there are jumps, and jumps will pop up, and you can do, like, backflips or front flips, you can do, um, grabs, you can do all kinds of stuff, just like a modern snowboarding game, and by landing certain things, you get extra time, um, slaloms will pop up where you have to go left and right. Um, this is the first level, so it's very straightforward. Um, and if you can pass that level, you move on to the next level, and you literally are snowboarding across the world from starting in Japan, uh, then you make your way over across Europe, and eventually through America, and I think there's 16 total stages. Um, you can see him doing some tricks. There's like a triple backflip he just did there. And then uh, there's trees now in the middle of the path, so it's a lot more difficult. In later levels, there's like cabins and things in the way. The graphics keep changing. The the scenery keeps changing. Uh, the music was, I remember being pretty decent. Not amazing, but decent. Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what it was, but I could not stop playing this game. Uh, it looks Absolutely awesome. I think it looks it. great. Yeah. And at the top, it is a timed game, which Eric doesn't like, but it's a racing game. It's kind of like OutRun. you got to get there before the time runs out. And, of course, if you hit a tree, you fall, and that takes a ton of time to get back up. Um, pressing forward, you go... Uh, no, I'm sorry. It's kind of like um, Tony Hawk, where if you press a button down, you'll go faster. Okay. But if you press backwards, you'll slow down a bit. Um, so it's kind of this balance between how fast you can get through the level without falling, but also how many tricks you want to try to land to get more time added, um, which also adds points to your score. And you can see here, there's a sweet jump right at the end. You get to the end of the stage. You get, there's a little map on the top showing how far along you are, the stage you are. Yeah. And then um, here comes a, let's see, it'll give you your total score. And I'll say, hey, now you're heading to the stage two, which is Yongfeng, China, I think. Yeah. Um, and then if I can get to the point up here, you'll see a map where it outlies. Uh, I guess I can't find it quite yet, but there's a map that outlies the entire... Um, the entire world and all of the stops you're going to make on your way there. Actually, here it is, there right it is. here. Yeah. So, anyways, awesome game. I think I paid a couple bucks for it. I think you can download it for free, but pay a couple bucks for it. Um, it looks great. I think it looks amazing. I'm gonna have to it's grab so this. Fun. It really That's is. A good pick. And and Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, sure. And Christmas. What's your second pick, Eric? My second one is the same theme. It's a snow. Like I was thinking Ooh. of, I wanted to pick one of my favorite games that had snow in it. And so I picked the classic game Snow Bros. And I ended up playing the Amiga version, which Ooh, kind really? of unof- yeah, it's like an unofficial version. But then I also ended up playing the, what was it, Super Nintendo version? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, it was a Super Nintendo. That's right. I've, I remember um, when I was young, I played the Game Boy version. That's the one I'm v- the most familiar with. Yeah, um, but the Amiga version has a great. I don't know if this was an official version. I think they might have. If I remember the story right, 
I'm not sure it was ever went up for sale, but it was a great, a fantastic version. And I mean, I might be getting that story completely wrong. But I think anyway. I think I've heard that too, actually. Yeah, um, but it is a great version. As you can see, it's very colorful. It's very it 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 the the music and sound was fantastic. Snow Bros is a game where you're it's a platform game where you have a like a snow guy, kind of a weird looking snowman guy, and he throws little chunks of snow and when he hits a monster in a platform it's a platforming game but he hits a monster um and it stops the monster in his tracks but it doesn't freeze him completely and you got to keep throwing snow at him until he turns into a big giant snowball and then you can push the snowball and it will go through the level knocking out whoever the snowball hits knocking them off the screen turns them into little pieces of candy or fruit or a potion or whatever it is so in ways it's kind of like bubble bobble, but, um, I would definitely consider a bubble bobble clone, if you will. Yeah. Very good one. Um, but I love, I've loved snow bros for a very, very long time. And it, I know the the version, there there's a version that demands a lot of money. Like if you're looking for the original version, I can't remember what there, this is, this come out on multiple consoles and systems, but it was also an arcade game. So you can find it on Mame. um, and that's pretty much it. I mean, there's a lot of different enemies. Some of them spit fire. Some of them, um, you know, some they they all kind of do different things. All the the screens are very bright and have different textures and colors. Um, this is just a game I always go back to, and I I really enjoy it. I believe it is the regular NES version that commanded a lot of money. Okay, because again, I remember playing on the Game Boy at that point. I think the Super NES was probably the primary system it was you know played on. Yeah. Um, and, but it would have come out really late in the NES library. And I'm looking at it now. And what I do love about the NES version is it looks completely different. The gameplay is yeah. the same, but the graphic style is so different. And I've always loved that about... I mean, essentially, this is a demake. Because the yes. original arcade game uh, was, you know, approximated in the Super NES version. But this is... Almost, they really had to uh, change everything to make it fit for the 8-bit NES version. And it, I think right. it looks cool. I think they did a great job, so... Nope. And this might have been the version I played. I I did this in the earlier part of, or the later part of last month, so my memory's a little sketchy on that, but it might have been this version that I was playing, so this looks really familiar. Um, but I played the most on the Amiga version, because the Amiga version is just so bright and colorful. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, the Amiga um, version you actually played, surprised, you played a lot of Snow Bros, right? me. I wouldn't say I played a lot. I, again, my main experience with it has purely, where I actually put time into it, was when I was really young, and somebody had the Game Boy cart, and we played that thing for hours back then. Okay. Um, but I have not played it, you know, since I've been nine or whenever that was. Yep. Really. One thing one thing to note for me in my personal history of this is the game that I talked about for Halloween, which was uh, Nightmare in the Dark, the Neo Geo game. Yes. It pretty much is Snow Bros, but with a Halloween theme and everything skinned Yep. for Halloween. Pretty much the same game, but... The what one one thing that's different is Nightmare in the Dark. I love the the Bosses. soundtrack on that one. The oh, music is okay. freaking amazing. I love the soundtrack on Nightmare in the Dark. Well, I remember the huge bosses too. With yeah, and the, yeah, yeah, and that is one difference is that there are these huge bosses that are a blast on Nightmare in the Dark. Um, so it is a different game, but same concept. You except you're throwing fireballs and you're basically making giant fireballs when you completely encapsulate an enemy and then you can push that and you can knock that and it'll knock everybody out. So 
Very cool. All right, so I have a cop-out. Yes. <laughs> What's that? I chose another <coughs> Christmas game. Um, this popped up on Indie Retro News recently, and I wanted to give it a shot. And okay. I put it off until the last minute actually playing it. Mm-hmm. But I threw it in my list as my last pick. Um, again, I'll save the run, the one really Christmas game for my for my last pick now. But and it is called River Raid Cold Winter, and it is an Atari eight bit, um, essentially rescanning of River Raid, where instead of you know your typical River Raid where you're a spaceship or a spaceship a, a jet fighter flying yeah. down a river and attacking boats and uh, avoiding canyons and things. Uh, it is basically an icy river, and um, there are icebergs that go back and forth instead of boats, and there's polar bears coming from the edges of the screen. Um, it's basically just a reskin, and it's River Raid, which is a great game. So I picked this game because it's a winter River Raid, and how can that not be fun and good and Christmassy? Correct. Now here's the you issue. Can't go wrong, you, you can't go wrong with the River Raid game. River Raid is, if if I had to pick a, like a a ranking of all time, all time favorite games. This ha- this has to be in my top ten. Wow, really? Okay. I mean, it's a good. I mean, it not is the a cold good winter game. one, but River Raid. I love River Raid. I love it. Yeah. I, and I I still play it all the time. Like if, if there's a system I'm on, like Commodore sixty four, all because f- that's the that's the system I played it the most on um, as a kid, and then probably the Atari fifty two hundred would be the second. Um, I love it. I mean, I love River Raid, so this wins, and it definitely has a very wintry vibe to it. Yeah, it does. This this version of it uh, does. Now, I guess I should explain the gameplay and everything, so, so anybody who hasn't played River Raid can can follow along. But you are a jet fighter, and you are flying down through this river, um, top down view, and the river goes back and forth. And for whatever reason, I guess you're flying low enough in the river that if you go over the snow, you die. Um, yeah, it's, you, supposedly you're in a canyon. In a canyon, okay. Yeah, like a river with a canyon with a river at the bottom. Which is heavily protected, this canyon, by mm-hmm. helicopters and, uh, <clears throat> in this game, icebergs, which makes more sense than um, River Raid, which is like tons of battleships and boats in a river in a canyon. <laughs> That's um, right. So in the original game, you've got uh, like oil tankers where if you go over them slowly, you will fill up with fuel over time. So you kind of hold back on your joystick to go over them more slowly. You can also press forward on your joystick to go faster and try to get through the level quicker at risk and peril to yourself. Um, it's always been interesting with this game because when you shoot, your bullet goes out in front of you. So if you shoot and turn, the bullet kind of turns with your ship. It's always directly it in front of your ship. Yeah, it curves. You can you can bend the bullet. That's um, right. That's a very Matrix-like 90s thing. <laughs> uh, and then there's, uh, like I said, there's... a. Uh, planes and helicopters in this particular one there's uh, hot air balloons and icebergs and stuff to go back and forth you shoot them and you can also shoot your own oil tankers but if you do that you can't fill up uh, oil or fill up fuel i should say fuel tankers and you can see there's tanks shooting at you from the from the uh banks there and then you get to bridges and you can shoot the bridges to knock the bridges out so they can get through if you don't you'll crash and you just try to get to the end of the level now here's the reason i got bummed out I got this thing loaded up on my FujiNet for my Atari 8-bit, mm-hmm. and it took me multiple... Uh, it comes with like five or six different formats that you can try mm-hmm. to load. You know, um, I'm trying to remember all the different formats, an XEX file or an ATR file or a whatever yeah. file. 
I couldn't get almost any of them to work. Um, not my wow. Fujinet's fault. And finally, I got one to load, and I was excited, and I got it running, and I crashed right away. So I reloaded it again, I got it running, and then every time I played the game, that right when I got to the first bridge and I shot it, it would create an error, and it would freeze the game. And I don't know, and maybe it's just my setup, I don't know, but I don't know if the game was ever tested on real hardware. I know a lot of oh, these games wow. are made on and tested in emulation. That's right. So I'm hoping that some kind of a bug and they're going to fix it. Um, but I couldn't actually play the game past the first bridge, which is, you know, 20 seconds into the game. So yeah, that is weird. I, I, maybe I should load mine up and see if it. Yeah. If it, and if it doesn't on my system, because my, my 800 XL has like a memory upgrade and all sorts of stuff. So I'm wondering if maybe if I don't have a problem with it, maybe it needs higher requirements than the standard 800 XL. I would be very surprised, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So anyways, River Raid's good. <laughs> yeah, and River Raid is great. Wonderful game. So my next one is a uh, is kind of a joke. <laughs> so I, I did see this. Heard, I don't know if you heard ARG Presents. I did, but yes. There was a Halloween episode where um, <laughs> the Brent, the Brent as he is known on that one, he picked for Halloween a Halloween game called Simpsons Hit and Run. <laughs> Spooky. And the funny, the funny thing is, I listened to that episode, and I, th- this is going to be funny. I never played this game. Okay. I've never played it. So I went and I burned a copy because I, I played this on GameCube. I burned a copy and I loaded it up, and I've been playing this for a couple months. I love the game. Yeah. I mean, it really is kind of like Grand Theft Auto, but in Springfield, like in The Simpsons. Yep. Um, just, just a blast, and. There are parts of it like I like more than others, like a lot of the mini games where it have time limits and stuff like that. But I love it. I mean, I, I've been playing this and I, I absolutely love it. It is a smooth game. It plays fantastic. The Simpsons are all in 3D. It's a it's a 3D game, but it's done so well because it is the kind of it, it is the 3D version of the cartoon. So so it doesn't look bad because it's the cartoon. I mean, it's not trying to emulate like real people. Um, but the funny thing is the reason it's related to Christmas is because, and this is the way the Brent connected it. So yep. I'm going to pick this game. <laughs> if, if you, if you change the clock and time on the machine, when you boot it up it in the, in the menu system, in the beginning of the game, it will give you a little view of that holiday. So like on Halloween, it's like got jack-o'-lanterns and, and stuff like that. And on Christmas, it's Homer with a little Santa cap on. And he's, it's basically like a Christmas tree and like a little Halloween scene, but it's only in the menu. Um, and then the, the rest of the game is exactly the same. <laughs> in fact, right now, I just went in and changed our video to the Christmas version. Yeah, well, this is, and so this is a whole different deal. This is a, a Springfield mod where they do, they do do Christmas throughout all of Springfield. Oh, okay. So it's like for a PC version or something. Something like that, yeah. But I mean, in the real game, the only Christmas element to it is um, is is in the menu, like in the beginning, because it's oh, an animated gotcha. menu. And and <laughs> that's funny. I thought that was funny because the Brent picked it for Halloween because of that one little thing. Yep, I do remember that was funny. I remember that, and and Aaron was not having it. No, um, and then the cool <laughs> thing is sometimes you have to just twist your hobbies to do the games you want to play. Right? Yeah, I agree. 
So that's my third and final pick is is Simpsons Hit and Run on GameCube, which I do encourage everyone to play. I mean, it is an amazing game. It's a blast. Have you played the game? I, you know, I I don't think so. I remember playing a, a Simpsons game back in the day that was highly rated when Xbox, in fact, it was my first Xbox uh, game I've ever played, but I think it was the okay. one where they were copying Crazy Taxi. Yeah. It was like a Simpsons taxi game. Okay. And I remember playing that. Um, okay. But I, if, if I was a big Simpsons fan, I know I'd get really into this because there's a lot of Springfield and stuff and cameos and all the stuff the simpsons are known for yep very cool um so my last game is another game i played for the first time and i actually bought it to play for the show because i knew i'd love it and if you'll remember eric uh there was a game a while back i played called uh, cosmic star heroine i do remember that yeah and it was a really fun rpg um made by totally forgetting the name of the company again because i'm so good at that uh, so anyways, before that, the reason I played that game is because I, a longer time ago, played a game called, um, Cthulhu Saves the World. Yeah. And I am a Cthulhu nut, and I enjoy a nice, uh, 16-bit RPG experience. Well, they made a successor to that game called Cthulhu Saves Christmas, and it was just released, uh, a couple months ago. And I wanted an excuse to play it, and this was a perfect excuse um, it is about 10 hours of gameplay, maybe a little less, 8 to 10, depending okay. what you want to do. And it is a JRPG where you are Cthulhu is filled with uh, self-aware humor and hilarious jokes. Um, and as an RPG, what is nice for people like you and myself, uh, not only is it a short RPG, um, it is also kind of a thing where you're kind of walked through it so if you put it down for a year and a half and you come back to it you're not lost that's um, good yeah pretty that much, makes a big difference yeah so it's almost like a linear rpg if that makes sense mm-hmm. um so i mean i like it's really good <laughs> uh the graphics are solid the humor is solid the gameplay is fun there's enough going on but it's also if you choose to use the same attacks over and over and over again um you can more or less get through it um, but you can also choose to do all kinds of fun things with different upgrades and, uh, different spells and choosing different characters to do different things, but it can be as simple or as engaging as you want. And, uh, I don't know what else to say beyond that. Um, it I, looks I, good. I mean, I, I like the graphics a lot. I mean, it looks really good. Yeah. I, I mean, I would recommend it. It's $10 on the, uh, on the switch eShop. I think you can download it on pretty much any platform, but it's about 10 bucks. And if you want a JRPG, even if you're not into Cthulhu, um, if yeah. you like humor and you like uh, RPG games, but you don't have a lot of time, this is one you can play through, enjoy, and it doesn't get old because it stops after about eight to ten hours, right when about you're ready to move on. And did you beat it? I did. Oh wow, cool! Yep. Uh, it looks it. great. I mean, it very very reminiscent of cool 16-bit uh, JRPGs, right? Yeah, absolutely. It, almost a 32-bit RPG, but yeah, as far as how good it looks, but definitely <clears throat> in that style. Like, I love this part. She, they're fighting the first boss, and they let him know that he is the tutorial boss, and he's offended. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, what? I'm the tutorial boss? <laughs> um, it's funny. It's good. <laughs> it looks good. I like it. That's six good, very Christmassy, over-the-top Christmassy games, Eric. 
And that's a, that's a, all these seem like games that I want to play. <laughs> I just, Tim picked it. I'm sure Tim would have, uh, well, I don't know what Tim would pick. We've never done a six good game segment with Tim. He'd yeah. probably pick Christmas Lemmings and Night into Dreams Christmas and all the really straightforward ones and make it easy on himself. I don't know. <laughs> He's probably smart that way. <laughs> I don't know. There's not, there's not a lot of Christmas games. It's actually kind of surprising. There's a lot of terrible ones. I played, I, like I said, I played through probably 20 games and like I couldn't find a good Christmas game. I played a couple of Commodore 64 games that had Christmas in the title and they were like really bad. Oh, I'm sure. And uh, I mean, I could have been, I, I, I probably would have picked uh, Santron, which we've talked about, which is the Christmas themed Neutron. Most mm-hmm. Christmas games are known good games that they just kind of made a small, short, fun version with Yeah, that's what, that's what Lemmings is. That's yeah. what Lemmings is. I mean. Yep. Um, so anyways, thanks for nothing, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is uh, an episode of Pixel Gaiden, I believe. Yeah. So I hope you guys all have a good Christmas. Uh, we'll be back here yeah. in 15 days on the 30th to have our end of the year blowout somehow. Yes. Um, and we'll catch up. We're going to catch up. You're going to hear a Cody's uh, Corner, which is a very interesting one, in my opinion, Eric. What is that about? We're finally going to put a rest to this these shenanigans about Galaga. Which, by the <laughs> way, um, re- Retro Gaming Bygones, we just talked about, the, his new podcast. He yeah. Pr- do you hear how he pronounced it? Yeah. I couldn't he handle it, Eric. Well, yeah. What, what Galaga. Galaga, yeah. And I've heard, people's, I've heard people pronounce it that way. When I was a kid, we called it Galaga. Yeah. I'm sure that's probably like the proper like Japanese way to say it or something. but Probably, yeah. Um, anyways, I had my girls, and uh, it's a live experiment. I was very scientific in my research. Yeah. And we played three different games from the same year that Galaga <laughs> came out. Yeah. Including Galaga. And mm-hmm. I let them tell me which ones they enjoyed and which ones they didn't. So yeah, Interesting. I did not... No spoilers. I, I did not... Uh, I did not uh, push to, in any direction. I just simply had them play the games. They talked about them, and they told me uh, they ranked them for me. So, cool. very interesting little take. So, yeah, we'll hear that in 30 days, or 30 days, 15 days. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to battle a couple of games in our Battle of the Systems. Uh, yep. Tim picked out a couple of microcomputer games. Yep. Which would be a Fire Track on the C64. Yep. <laughs> and Xanak on the Zanuck. MSX. Not the heartburn medicine, but the video game. Yep. Zantac. <laughs> Zantac. Not yeah. Zantac. <laughs> it does sound like a medicine, though. And we have a game show. And, of course, we have a game show, which we'd love to do. But the big event is we're going to catch up uh, on all of the things that we love the most about this year, our favorite games, our favorite moments on Pixel Gaiden, our favorite yeah. people in the Amigos Retro Gaming Network. Uh, we're going to pick favorites and uh, people we don't like at all and just point them all out. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> Anyways, uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you guys in 15 days. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and uh, always remember, it's it's dangerous dangerous to go alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's 
ODDBA1149. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at Sanction, that's S A N X I O N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash pixel guide in. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. <laughs>